0: The meeting will come to order. This is the November 2nd, 2022 Budget and Finance Committee meeting. I'm Supervisor Hillary Ronan, chair of the committee. I'm joined by committee members uh, Supervisor Chan and will be joined shortly by vice chair Supervisor Asha Safai. Our clerk is Brent Halipa and I would like to thank Michael Baltazar at TV for broadcasting this meeting. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements?
1: Thank you, Chair Brown, and just a friendly reminder for those in attendance in the chamber uh, to please make sure to silence all cell phones and electronic devices. The Board of Supervisors and its committees are now convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. The board recognizes that equitable public access is essential and will be taking public comment as follows. First, public comment will be taken on each item on the agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first, and then we will take those who are waiting on the telephone line. For those watching either channels, 26, 28, 78, or 99, and sfgovtv.org, the public co- comment call and number is streaming across the screen. That number is 415-655-0001. Again, that's 415-655-0001. Then enter the meeting ID of 2497 408 then pound, and then pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak, and those on the telephone should dial star three to also be added to the speaker line. If you're on your telephone, please remember to turn down your TV and all listening devices you may be using. Each speaker will be allowed up to two minutes to speak unless otherwise stated. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Budget and Finance Committee Clerk, at brent.jalipa.sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email. It will be forwarded to the supervisors and also included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall. That's 1, Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. And finally, Madam Chair, uh, items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors' agenda of November 8th, unless otherwise stated.
0: Thank you so much. And Mr. Clerk, I'm gonna call a few items out of order in an effort to accommodate uh, Director Eisen who has an unmovable time constraint. So can you please call items seven and eight together?
1: Uh, Yes, Madam Chair, items uh, number seven and eight our resolutions authorizing the following to execute an agreement with Intercare Holdings Insurance Services, Inc., for workers' compensation, third-party administrator services, each for a three-year base term from November 1st, 2022 through October 31st, 2025, and 2 three-year options to extend with said options to be exercised by the departments without further approval of the Board of Supervisors. Item 7 is the Department of Human Resources Agreement, for the amount not to exceed approximately 29.3 million, item three is uh, for the municipal transportation agency agreement. For in the amount not to exceed approximately 33.7 million, in affirming the planning department's determination under the California Environment, Environmental Quality Act, members of the public are joining us remotely and wish to comment on these resolutions. Please call the public. Comment number at 415 one Enter the meeting ID of 2497-408-9634, and then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. A system prompt will indicate that uh, you have raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, that is your signal to begin your
2: comments. Madam Chair.
0: Thank you, good afternoon, Director Eisen. Mm-hmm.
2: Madam Chair. Uh, Members of the committee, uh, thank you very much for taking this item out of order. I did want to appear uh, in front of you today to make a few opening remarks, introduce you to our team. Um, Shortly you will be hearing from Julian Robinson. He is our um, incoming workers' compensation director um, on the details of this contract, but I would like to just make a few brief statements and then we'll hear from Julian. Uh, This $29 million contract supports the city in providing critical workers' compensation administration services for our employees. Um, That's a mouthful, but it has to do with employees who are injured at work and um, file claims with the city, and the work that commences from that point resulting in Payments to injured workers until they can come back to work is the essential work of our workers compensation division Um, As you know, we are the second largest employer in San Francisco uh, Just behind UCSF. We are one of among the largest self-insured workers compensation programs in California. So this is a big effort um, that resides within DHR the team has been working on this contract um, for over a year and uh, here we are essentially at the finish line in front of you and i'm hoping that you will favorably consider this um i also wanted to make sure that the committee knows that we self-perform workers uh compensation administration we perform about two-thirds of our own work um over the years we've shifted the balance towards self-performance of the work we think that is The way we would like to go and um, to be able to do more of it is something we would like to be able to do we also feel that over the years as we've shifted more of the work towards self-performance the work of our third-party administrator has become clearer and crisper and better um, and the experience with the agent with our departments and with our employees who are filing claims has become better over time our volume is very large. It's covered in your report, um, but we have over we've had over 21,000 claims in the time period of the now, expired, recently expired contract. Um, and finally, the last thing I wanted to let you know is that our um, our uh, director of workers' compensation, who's led us through a period of 10 years of tremendous change, is retiring at the end of this week. Peggy Sugarman, she's here. uh, But you're gonna hear from her successor, uh, Julian Robinson, who um, has been our claims manager for a number of years and is now moving up to take the director's job. So uh, let's hear from Julian.
3: Good afternoon, everyone and thank you for your time today and allowing me to present. Um, I'm Julian Robinson. I'm the incoming workers' comp director. And we're going to just briefly um, what we're proposing is a contract with Intercare Holdings Insurance Services or Intercare to provide workers' comp claims administration services for an amount not to exceed $29,357,361. The term is an initial three-year base term with two three-year options for a total of nine years. So SFMTA has a similar proposal, but it is a separate contract. And the, that is because SFMTA does not have to go through the Office of Contract Administration, whereas we, DHR does. And also it provides SFMTA greater flexibility, provide you know, workers' comp services specific to them. So the city is permissibly self-insured Um, as by the state, and most, as Director Eisen indicated, most city departments are handled by our self-administered program in the Workers' Comp Division. Um, We do, Intercare does support us as a third party administrator for previously 35 different city departments, but over the last 10 years, it is now five city departments, and that is Public Works, Public Health, ourselves, DHR, the city attorney's office, and sustainable streets. And in May of 2022, um, the SFMTA and DHR um, jointly issued a request for proposal. Intercare scored the highest of three proposers. One did not meet minimum qualifications. Intercare scored the highest of the two. So the scope includes benefit delivery, claims intake, investigation, medical services, claims costs, management programs, litigation support, and return to work, and more. In addition, in briefings with um, some supervisors, there was a question about fraud, workers' compensation fraud services. So included in our contract are, is about $8 million in as-needed services, which part of does include fraud, it's special investigative services to combat fraud. Adjusters do receive annual fraud training every year as required um, as part of their certification. And in that helps determine, identify, and report as required by the California Department of Insurance. So I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. And thank you for your time today.
0: Thank you so much. I'm going to turn it over to the budget and legislative analysts and then back to you all for to answer questions if that's okay. Sure. Okay, great. We hear from the meal.
4: Thank you. Uh, Nick Menard from the Budget Legislative Analyst Office. Items 7 and 8 are two resolutions approving two different contracts with Intercare Holdings Insurance Services Incorporated, um, one with the MTA and one with the Department of Human Resources. As was mentioned, the the contracts really provide um, claims administration for workers' compensation. The way that they're structured is that there's a fixed fee that the city pays to cover the cost of the claims adjusters based on a certain number of claims each year. And then the contracts also have a budget kind of built into the not to exceed amount um, for as needed services that would be billed in hourly rates on the contract by task order um, for things like deeper investigation or other kinds of um, support. We showed the budget for the contracts on page 17 of our report uh, the total for both contracts is $63 million over the initial term. Um, we think these costs are reasonable, and we recommend approval.
0: Thank you. Um, so I'm just curious, how has there ever been a time that, that the city completely provided this service in-house, or have we always sort of had this mix of in-house and contracted out?
3: For the last 10 years, it has been mostly in-house and contracted out, but my understanding is many, many years ago, um, it was pretty much almost exclusively handled in-house, but that was a couple of decades back or even more.
0: And and is it just the it, I, I'm just curious why we can't do it all in-house are, are, are there is there a reason for that
3: there is um, part of which is Department of Human Resources in a city attorney's office has workers compensation approval authority so it'll be a conflict of interest if we handle our own claims so we're definitely gonna have a need for a third-party administrator for that additionally there's um, in terms of staffing so to, to bring All of what Intercare handles in-house is be equivalent of about 13 and a half FTEs. And in this market, it would definitely be a challenge to kind of hire that many adjusters, you know, where they're being pulled in multiple directions in the industry. So it would be just a kind of a lack of resources, you know, on our part.
0: Got it. Uh, Thank you.
3: You're welcome. Colleagues,
0: any other questions? thank you so much and we'll now open this item or these two items up for public comment
1: thank you madam chair members of the public who wish to speak on these items and are joining us in person should line up now uh, right along the curtains for those listening remotely please call 415-655-0001 enter the meeting id of two four nine seven four zero eight nine six three four and then pound then pound again once connected you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your signal to begin your comments. Seeing so you no know, in person speakers here in the chamber. And Madam Chair, we have no colors in this and telephone line.
0: Public comment is now closed. I would like to make a motion to set items seven and eight to the full board with positive recommendation.
1: On that motion. Uh, to forward the resolutions to the full board with a positive recommendation. Uh, Vice Chair Safai? Aye. Safai? Aye. Member Chan. Chan? Aye. Chair Ronan? Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much to everyone who came. Happy retirement, soon to be. <laughs> take, take care. Bye. Bye. Uh, Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number one?
1: Uh, yes. Item number one is an ordinance amending the business and tax regulations code to permit the tax collector to enter into payment plans on or before April 30th, 2023, for the collection of delinquent Department of Public Health license fees collected on the uniform license bill that were due or payable before March 31st, 2023. Members of the public are joining us remotely and wish to comment. Please call 415-655-0001 with a meeting ID of 2497 408 4 then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. The system problem will indicate that you raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, it has your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Sure.
0: Thank you, and Amanda Fried, I believe, is here to introduce
5: this item.
6: Good afternoon, Chair Ronan, Supervisors. Amanda Freed from the Office of the Treasurer and Tax Collector. Uh, The ordinance today before you allows the tax collector to enter into payment plans with businesses who have delinquent license fees. And these are fees that we, the tax collector, collect on behalf of the Department of Public Health. There are approximately 1,065 businesses who we believe will be eligible for this and they owe collectively $2.6 million to DPH for license fees and approximately $7 million in outstanding taxes to the city. Many of these are restaurants and other food service industry businesses who fell behind on their bills during COVID-19. And under current law, the tax collector cannot accept partial payments of these license fees. And if the license fees are not paid in full, the license actually expires. So we believe that this legislation will provide businesses with much needed extra time and flexibility as they recover from the pandemic. And I want to thank my colleagues at DPH, particularly Patrick Fosdahl, who's here today, um, for bringing this idea forward and working with us to develop this program. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, What a great idea. I'm surprised we haven't done this earlier, but COVID did give us Some good ideas, which (laughs) which is wonderful. Uh, If you could add me as a co-sponsor. We don't have a BLA report and no more questions, so I'll open this item up for public comment.
7: Thank you.
1: Thank you, Madam Chair. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now. For those listening remotely, uh, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2497-408-9634, then press pound twice. Press star three to enter the speaker line and please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and as your signal to begin your comments, seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber. And Madam Chair, we have no callers on the line.
0: Public comment is now closed. Supervisor Chan, you want to do the honors?
8: Yes, Yes, I would like to make the motion to move this with recommendation to the full board.
1: On oh, that motion by Member Chan, the forward this ordinance of the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai, aye, Member Chan. Chan, aye, Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, oh. aye, we have three ayes.
0: Motion passes unanimously. And,
9: and Ms. Clerk, uh, can you please add me as a
1: co-sponsor to that item, please? Uh, noted, Mr. Vice Chair. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number two?
1: Yes, Chair Ronan, item number two is a resolution retroactively approving an agreement between the Department of Public Health, Community Behavioral Health Services and the California Department of Healthcare Services for the San Francisco Mental Health Plan in the amount of $0 for a term of uh, five year, oh, sorry, for, uh, for a five-year term of July 1st, 2022, through June 30th, 2027, and to authorize the Department of Public Health to enter into amendments or modifications to the agreement prior to its final execution by all parties that do not materially increase the obligations or liabilities of the city and are necessary to effectuate the purposes of the agreement or this resolution. Members of the public who are joining us remotely, and wish to comment, call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID. ID of 24974089634, then press pound twice. Once connected, press star 3 to enter the speaker line. A prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, that is your cue to begin your comments. Madam Chair.
0: Thank you, and I believe Margot Simmons is on the line.
10: Good, Good afternoon, Supervisors. Marlo Simmons, Deputy Director for Behavioral Health Services. This is um, item is relates to a performance agreement that Behavioral Health Services has with the Department of Health Care Services. There's no um, money attached to this contract. What this contract does is it outlines the regulatory framework for the operations of the mental health plan by which BHS operates. Um, so basically managed care operations that include um, guidelines. It's 200-page Contract That includes everything from how we are supposed to document services, requirements for utilization management, information we're supposed to provide to beneficiaries, requirements around our data systems, uh, and reporting and auditing uh, requirements for the mental health plan. And this is um, through 2027. We received it from the state in August, submitted it uh, for review, Um, To all of you, in September, it is common practice for us to get contracts from DHCS after they have uh, begun, Um, and this also includes uh, some of the regulatory changes that have come from CalAIM. I will stop there and happy to answer questions.
0: Thank you so much. I don't believe there are any questions, so we will open this item up for public comment.
1: Yes, Madam Chair, members of the public who wish to speak on the side, and are joining us in person should line up now. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2497-408-9634, then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that is your cue to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber, and Madam Chair, we have no speakers on the line.
0: Public comment is now closed. I'd like to make a motion to send this item to the full board with positive recommendation.
1: On that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive rec- recommendation, Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes.
0: That motion passes unanimously. Thank you, Ms. Simmons. Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number three?
1: Yes, Chair and item number three is a resolution retroactively authorizing the Department of Public Health to award an emergency contract to Health Management Associates, Inc. has uh, authorized under the administrative code for the purpose of providing specialized consulting services and in the amount not to exceed approximately 3.7 million for a term of 13 and one-half months from May 9th, 2022 through June 30th, 2023 and to authorize the Department of Public Health to enter into any amendments or modifications to the contract that do not otherwise materially increase the obligations or liabilities to the city and are necessary or advisable to effectuate the purposes of the contract or this resolution. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment, please call 415-655-0001 with the meeting ID of two four nine seven four zero eight nine six three four. then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. A prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, that is your signal to begin your comments.
11: Madam Chair.
0: Thank you. And we have Balajit Sangha from Laguna Hana Hospital here with us. Good afternoon.
11: Good afternoon, Madam Chair. uh, Vice Chair Safai, Member Chan. Um, So with the time allotted for me this afternoon, I'd like to address a few points. One, how this current contract aligns with the previous contracts that have come before you, Um, what this particular contract calls for in comparison to the previous ones we presented, and then our thinking on the future just to be prepared for anything else that might come before this venue. So previously, we presented two contracts to this venue. One was trifecta, and that was to provide temporary staffing services as Laguna Honda works to meet the regulatory requirements for the maintenance, repair, and modernization of our kitchen. Second was Health Services Advisory Group, HSAG, um, also call, uh, referred to HSAG. Now they're unique into providing, they're providing in-depth evaluation and targeted improvements to the hospital units specifically to prepare them for their recertification audits. And HSAG is unique in the sense that they are a formalized quality review organization, a capital quality review organization um, that provides health quality expertise to those who deliver and receive the care. So they're uh, facilitating technical assistance by collecting and analyzing data so that we can improve delivery of services. Um, And their primary role at Laguna Honda is to participate in the pertinent quality assurance and performance improvement committee, which is QAPI for short. Um, infection Prevention uh, Conduct, uh, which is focused on reviews of clinical documentation, um, and they are uh, reviewing the survey deficiencies, and also they are focusing on care plan development, medication management, and patient chart reviews to address the gaps of the survey findings. Finally, they also um, are providing unit-based rounding. So thir- across all 13 units, across all of our shifts, um, with 70 data points per unit, that's what HSAG is doing. Now, before us today is the contract is HMA, Health Management Associates, and they're unique in that they're performing formalized survey readiness assessment and then mock survey audits, which are when they replicate the actual CMS um, auditors and surveyors, and they're also completing a top to bottom assessment, which is a comprehensive assessment that's identifying root causes that uh, will will, uh, lead itself to recommendations for kind of the future state of what we would like to see Laguna Honda look like into the future. Uh, They also specialize in in publicly funded healthcare and human services policy, financing, and evaluation. Um, And so with them and within the construct of what's before you today, it includes the comprehensive assessment, the uh, CMS reapplication readiness assessment, and the mock survey. Um, a comprehensive training and education curriculum development in which are um, in last night's presentation before the board, we discussed that we're 100% compliance with um, a 20 plus hours for all of our staff uh, that are patient facing and non-patient facing, and also um, a uh, infection control consultation. So this is all a reflection uh, what's before you today is an extension of the scope as we continue with the recertification journey and our timeline uh, continues to move ahead as we discussed uh, in length uh, last night. Uh, And regarding the last point I'll make is regarding the future contracts that the department may have that will require board approval. So unlike the three I referenced, the department is striving to ensure they will not be retroactive and they will be within the city contracting guidelines now that we kind of have a little bit of runway ahead of us knowing what we're facing. So finally, uh, the DPH is submitting uh, uh, also, I believe we'll hear a little bit more about it, but an amended resolution and contract to include as Amendment 1 uh, an increase to the original agreement and there will be a not-to-exceed amount there as well. Um, and uh, finally, the DPH does agree with the BLA's uh, recommendation as will be read. So I'll stop there and we'll be available for any questions.
0: Okay, we'll, we'll first hear from the BLA and then go for questions.
4: Can't hear you. Item three is a resolution um, retroactively approving an emergency contract between the Department of Public Health and uh, Health Management Associates. Um, This is uh, for work related to the Laguna Honda recertification. We detail the scope of work in the contract in our report. Um, and you know the resolution that's before you is for a not to exceed amount of 3.8 million dollars um, the reason this requires board approval is because it was an emergency contract mm-hmm. that um, went through those procedures for procurement though we know in the report that the department did do a solicitation and uh, got multiple bids um, from different vendors for these services the department um, s- since they've introduced this resolution have amended the agreement to Increase the not to exceed amount to six point two million dollars, which reflects additional billable hours um, for additional scopes of work that we detail in the report. We've um, reviewed um, that amendment. We're recommending um, approval of that of that increase, um, but it does require a, 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 an amendment to the resolution to reflect the change in the not to exceed amount. Um, thank you.
0: Thank you, Supervisor Chen Thank you,
8: Chair Ronan. Um, I think. Because um, the the previous conversation that we have, um, I, I totally understand the trifecta um, for the staffing. That makes sense to me. I am a little bit confused about the previous contract, which was also uh, up to almost seven million dollars. Um, the emergency contract as well for the House services Advisory Group. And I understand that you know they were the they they are the expertise. They have the expertise. They're the experts in helping. Um institutes uh that in need a recertification at that conversation though, at least as i recall and and i as I learned from you and during that conversation was that you know it's also helping us to be prepared and respond for mock survey it It seems like this contract description of what it's supposed to be doing in terms of consultations and services that it's provided to Laguna Honda, very similar to what we already approved. So I I guess I'm trying to help me um, distinguish between the two and how are they really different. And uh, it's really good to hear that this is the last of the emergency contract, especially for retroactive contract, now that we have a little bit more time. but I, I would like to make sure that again we, we reiterate <laughs> that on the record that you know this is kinda it because to date we have spent about if we approve this today, we will have spent a total fifteen million dollars of you know, emergency contract. Of course I think it's a worthwhile cause, but I think it's it will be really helpful for this body to understand what are the future months until November 13, 2023? Like, what, what are we anticipating if we were going to really anticipating any type of emergency contract?
11: Thank you. Uh, great questions. Thank you so much. I'll try to tackle it down, but feel free to let me know if, if I'm not hitting the mark. So with HMA, um, so when you think about a check in a balance, so HMA, um, as as I described, they are um, one of the components of the work is they are conducting the mock survey and mock survey. So they are acting as the surveyors. That said, then uh, now as we go, kind of go through each comparison, HSAG, they are not acting as mock surveyors. They are um, functioning as a component and extension of coaching the staff to work through the survey. So as survey deficiencies are identified in the mock survey, HSAG then partners with the staff, works through, and is preparing the staff and saying, okay, we are, what's next, what what was the deficiency? What's the root cause? What are we doing to implement the plans? And also participants in the same committees. So one is the surveyor, and one is the the individuals being surveyed, and so that's one component kind of if you think about the, the commonality of the, of the phrasing mock survey and how they overlap in both. Then, as we move forward, then HMA itself is specifically tasked in their scope of work to partner with Laguna Honda and the Department of Public Health to actually um, facilitate, develop, and uh, work on the CMS recertification application itself. So this is a lengthy application, um, does over 50 to 60 pages to be submitted, and this entity has a specialization in working with uh, state agencies to then submit an application to successful submission and and, uh, approval. The other piece then is as part of um, uh, this, the the additional hours are referenced by the BLA is these are the same scope we described then now being extended beyond what we originally thought. When you presented this agreement before, it was um, in the fall of of 2022, which we are in now, but as we know, this journey will be continuing into 2023. Finally, uh, the idea of uh, the comprehensive education and uh, and training curriculum. When we went through our initial survey of Mach 1 um, findings, there were a series and a plethora of of opportunities for us to educate the staff for additional hands-on training. Um, And also, you know, to give you an example, um, I myself took the training. So, you know, what is the efficiency and efficacy of proper hand hygiene? So spraying the hands with bioluminescence, uh, um, spray, walking through, making sure we're washing our hands, conducting proper hand hygiene, and then using a UV light to make sure that it actually is is, is gone. And so when we went through our actual mock survey findings, we saw there opportunities in a lot of areas, such as what I just described. That said, HMA and um, as part of their approach said, "Here are your findings, and here is a curriculum, and here are a curriculum we can develop that will help uh, put Laguna Honda in a position to be successful." And that's what you see here as a comprehensive education and training curriculum approach. They put together that approach, and then they deliver that same education um, within a short time frame to. Um, almost 1,500 staff, um, but 1,200 front-facing, patient-facing staff. So that's really the encapsulation of what HMA does. And HSAG, then, is... Again, part of the team working in rounding as part of our own quality assurance team doing multiple multiple observations across all shifts, 24-7, 365, to identify the various components of compliance. We're looking at about 70 observations per unit per round, um, which translates into, you know, almost about 50, uh, oh, sorry, five to 6,000 op- observation points per week that we're analyzing for compliance, which eventually was populating the graphs that you saw yesterday evening. So I'll stop there, and happy to, to get more detailed or granular or however you see that. Uh,
8: so I, I think just for layperson, try to understand. And, and so what you're saying is for the House Services Advisory Group is really a surveyor and going in and, and surveying as, as conducting the
11: mock survey. H, sorry, a, uh, um, HMA is, is that, not, not HSAG.
8: I see. And then... Uh, so, so Health Management Associates, um, which is the contract that we're looking at today, um, is the surveyor. They are coming in to, to look at and, and, and conducting the mock survey, but the health services advisory group is the one that is doing the coaching and training in response to and preparation for the mock survey and for recertification. Correct. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I guess then second part of my question is about, you know, just making sure that if we are actually, now that we have spent, we're going to spend up to $15 million um, of the emergency contract, what are we anticipating for the remaining of the time until November uh, 2023?
11: So, uh, this is in regards to the future contracts we may see. Yeah, absolutely. So, Again, so the future, so future contracts, we are evaluating continued opportunities as uh, in the areas of change management and care experience, which is the care experience is described as our resident experience and our uh, staff experience. At this juncture, we know that there's scopes of work that we need to evaluate. Um, the difference is that these three contracts before you were, when we were decertified in April, we immediately Took um, took precautions and took uh, steps to immediately get resources in and get these experts boots on the ground. Now, with the benefit of experience and uh, the benefit of moving forward, we do we anticipate there will be other contracts. But the difference would be that not to come to you and saying, "Hey, we started the work X months ago. We we kind of need you to just approve this." I think that. Um, that also uh, runs a little bit of contrary to to the focus of this group, wanting to make sure that you have the ability to to opine and comment on that. so it's very well aware, and our entire leadership team wants to make sure we can get that in front of you before services do commence.
0: Thank you, Supervisor Safai.
11: Thank you. So
9: what's the term of the contract?
11: The term of this uh, for HSAG. Uh, this contract is due to uh, end on December 31st, uh, 2022.
9: Because one of the things it says, a proposed resolution said it would authorize you to extend this contract up to 10 years and have the amount go up to $10 million. Is that a typo in the BLA's report?
4: With the mute. So through the chair, the the... <laughs> it was, and then you turned it off. Okay, so the resolution that was introduced has language in it that uh, would have allowed the department to increase the, the, the contract up to $10 million and extend it up to 10 years without further board approval. Uh, the amendment that they're going to introduce to, in, to reflect the increase in the contract amount takes that language out. That's what we recommended happened in the prior two contracts, and we have gotten ahead okay, of it. Okay,
9: I just wanted to clarify that. Okay, so now it's
11: just going to the end of the year. Okay, and Supervisor Slattery. Sorry, I got an assist. I'm also getting mixed up in the acronym. So uh, Hsag is till December 31st, 2022. Hma before us today is actually till June 2023. Your original question was when? Right. when yeah. So okay. I apologize.
9: Okay, and then and then there's some things there that aren't. Ma- is this company HMA? Are they a local company?
11: They are not a local company. They have have offices throughout the United States, but they are not a local company to San Francisco.
9: Where are they based? I believe they're in Chicago. One of the reasons I'm asking is because we have almost a million dollars in their contract for travel. Did you talk about
0: that? No, but I was about to ask the same questions. (laughs) I
9: I don't want to get into a golden toilet conversation, but one of the things that I see in here is that there's almost a half a million dollars for travel labor. What is travel labor? BLA, through the chair. So, half a million dollars for travel labor, then there's almost $130,000 for airfare, yeah. 150 dollars for hotel. And all, that stuff makes sense, but I don't understand what the half a million for travel labor
4: is. Yeah, we, we had the same questions you did, Supervisor. We, we got a very detailed Budget and kind of formula that the department was using to estimate these travel costs in terms of the total cost of coming to San Francisco and doing the work. We thought it was actually reasonable based on the staff and the number of visits and the term of the contract. They're only working till the end of the year. Half a million dollars for travel
9: labor. Well, I think doesn't that, this go? I mean, through, how many people do they have working for them?
4: I, I think. It goes through June twenty twenty three. This doesn't this make sense to me. And then another
9: question is for task number four. In your report, it says entails the extension of on-site resources and travel to extend.
4: So that's another line item for $670,000. So, that, so here's, here's what happened with that task. The original agreement had two tasks in it. The amendment added hours, billable hours uh, for services. Rather than increasing the hours in task one and two, they added task four, which were basically hours to do additional work um, on the existing tasks um, because there's more work to be done. Some of that work, as I understand it, is because CMS actually rolled out a whole new set of regulations that was not anticipated. Okay, that makes agreement. sense. So it's yeah.
9: extending the work that they're doing. I understand that. But it sounds like they're asking for travel in two different places and a million dollars for travel for a few months. of. So, so I have a question about that. I understand the education component. I understand the urgency with which we need to move on this. I understand the way that folks need to be, I mean, I guess at this point, about understanding how to sanitize their hands and and do other things in an appropriate manner to follow federal guidelines, but I understand that. But some of these line items don't make sense to me. My question for the mayor's folks, budget is. It says in the report that these costs will be paid by the general fund and Laguna Honda's operating fund. Are we intending to use, well, tell me about where the money's coming from for this because this is on an emergency basis. This is almost $7 million. We're, we're constantly giving a lot of money to this department. And, just, and I understand why we're doing this, but I, I'd like to know where this is coming from specifically.
12: Sure, so my understanding is that the Department of Public Health is very closely managing its existing operating budget for Laguna Honda Hospital and shifting things around, making things work, doing staff analyses to cover these costs this year.
9: So they have it in their operating bu- they have a, they have a 6 plus million dollar cushion already in their budget.
12: I mean their operating budget. I need to look, but it, it's it's a huge budget. So Yes. Um, we are aware of that. 7 million dollars <laughs> making room for that may not be okay
9: that's good to know because when we have further questions in the future about funds we know that okay Uh, so we're not having to dip into any they're not asking for any supplementals they have existing i just i i just have to say before i hand it over to chair ronan listen i understand the the urgency i understand the need for this some of the costs that are so that are proposed here I, i i question the if they're not a local great that's fine we want to be as competitive as possible but if they're adding an additional million dollars in for travel, was were any of the bidders that were proposed, were they on the list that were more local and were their cost been different if we didn't have to factor in this extensive amount of cost for travel? If this were spread out over a five-year period, I would say, okay, that, that makes more sense. They're gonna send a lot of staff, they're gonna be coming here frequently in and out of town, but a million dollars for a few months of travel seems, unless they're bringing a hundred people into town consistently, that does not make sense to me. Chair?
0: I, I, I had the exact same set of questions, and I don't feel like the answers have actually answered the question. I don't I, know what
9: travel labor is. I've learned a new f- word today, travel labor.
0: So is That's that, not on you guys. <laughs> that's,
9: on, <laughs> that's, on, that's on DPH.
0: I, could someone explain? Is this an industry standard that when you contract with an out-of-state contractor, that you not only pay for their airfare and their hotel and a per diem and ground transportation, but on top of that you pay this major amount for travel labor? Is that like a bonus? Yeah. What is it?
11: Great questions, uh, unfortunately this is an industry standard within the space of what we're, with the scope of service, which is as their their travel time, as they're traveling to San Francisco, that this is their, their time spent. So it's not a, it's not a straight hourly rate, um, but it is a calculation that the BLA referenced, which is um, based on uh, the rates of the individuals that are coming in um, at a prorated, uh, at a prorated amount. And so this combined with the fact that one thing I will articulate is the, it's different tasks and the scopes of service. A lot of them were front-heavy in terms of being boots on the ground, mock survey, training curriculum. What we are?
0: How many employees are we talking? I mean, how many people are actually traveling from Chicago to San Francisco to do this work?
11: So it, ha- it has. So they're traveling from different parts of the country: from Got New it. York, from Chicago, from the Southwest, from Southern California, and so with that, within the context of, then coming into San Francisco with the hotels rates, which that's not up for. Um, that's not up at the point, of the center of the conversation. But in San Francisco, as we continue to become a destination spot, there's competition for hotels. It has fluctuated. So when it comes to the training curriculum with our uh, 1,200 staff that are front-facing, as we were running classes around the clock, different shifts, and with you know up to 30 to 60 individuals per class, we were seeing about 20 individuals coming in and teaching these courses, flying in, teaching these courses to get our staff up, uh, up and prepared outside of that that peak, then we can we see a consistency of about seven to ten staff that are coming in um, to conduct the interviews and other assessments. What we have taken the, the step forward of saying that any non-essential travel, any non- if you don't need to be on site, if this can be done remotely, we have gone and we have made it a point to let the individuals know we actually don't need you to be here. We don't need to take that account for everything that was just described. The travel cost, the hotel cost, the, the travel labor, ground transportation from hotels to the organization that we realize that that amount also has given us significant pause for uh, concern but in the way to mitigate that is just managing it very carefully as was described which is pretty much unless you have to be in front of someone to do something that specifically requires us to be in front of a person leveraging the technology to be able to do it remotely so that is um, I think Part of what you're describing is also part of a concern of ours. How do we, this is a not to exceed. It's not that, hey, here's, here's funding that you can totally utilize. We'd like to come in, certainly under budget, particularly with these line items.
12: Okay,
0: yeah, I, I'm disturbed by this amount, but I don't, I'm not sure. So- Has this,
9: has this work, excuse, Madam Chair. Through, yeah, go, has go ahead. Has this work already begun? Is, are they already doing the work? Correct. So okay.
0: Could we could we shave down
13: the travel <laughs> the travel budget? Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson The board or the committee doesn't have the authority to change the terms of the contract. You could choose to not approve it until it's brought back with different terms, but you cannot line item.
9: Right, and 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 all, through the chair we, we they've already we've already approved a certain part of this contract and now they're asking us to extend it further correct
13: that's right I think it was entered into under the authority of um, 2115 in the admin code which is a provision that allows emergency contracting but does require that the department come back to the board for approval I just I I just wanted to I I will all be
0: supportive of this Contract today, but I, I have to say that uh, to all departments, to the mayor's office, uh, you need to, to to really do some better work monitoring uh, the the cost of these contracts. I mean, you know, we've had the uh, supervisor Safi mentioned the 1.7 million dollar toilets that we have um I, I think this this travel budget is absolutely excessive and unnecessary I, I i don't i still fully don't fully understand what travel labor is i i am having a hard time understanding what that if you're getting your hourly wage uh, you're getting your per diem you're getting your hotel room you're getting your flight um and then um you know uh, supervisor Safai's other point of dph magically finding seven million dollars in their budget all of this does not lend towards like a lot of confidence and credibility (laughs) in how we are managing taxpayer funds so i I just i want tighter control on all on all of these issues um you know we have to control these costs it's it's just it's we're becoming a laughing stock because of them and it's 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 not okay um, so with that I will open up this item for public comment
1: thank you madam chair members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now to speak how, for those listening remotely please call four one five six five five zero 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 one enter the meeting ID of two four nine seven four zero eight nine six three four then press pound twice once connected you'll need to press star three to enter the speaker line for those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted. And as your signal to begin your comments, seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber. And Madam Chair, we have no speakers on the line.
0: Public comment is now closed. Um, I, I, can, I, can I make one sure.
9: more comment? I know we, I know we have a lot of today. I, I just... I just wanna say, um, so I feel like we're between a rock and a hard place. We've already done one piece of the contract. This was put out I was I'm happy to know that this was put out under code twenty one point one five and it was competitive and even though it was emergency you got multiple bids and you chose who you thought was the highest bid score. I don't know if the bid score included proximity to the emergency or not, which could have probably saved the taxpayers' costs. But I feel like we don't have any leverage in this negotiation. I feel like you've brought us something that we don't have the ability to do other than reject. And what would happen if we rejected this today? How would you approach the conversation with HMA? I mean, they're under contract until when? June 2023. All re- not with this resolution, what we've already approved the, the three plus million. What, what is it that? What amount of work are they contracted on, regardless of the action
11: we take today? Until the end of the year, 2022. And so and, and in response to your question of how would we approach the conversation with them, it would be going back and, and reinforcing the points we've already made, which echo the points that you've made, which is that, you know, you, and I, I would agree with your characterization in where we are in terms of the emergency, what we're asked to do, what we need to make sure we can do and maintain our fiduciary responsibility to the taxpayers and say that, well, how are we spending these dollars? How are they going to the right thing? And how is this investment in Laguna Honda going to pay off? So it wouldn't be a net new start conversation. It would be a conversation that comes back and says, these are items that we have significant concerns with, as we have as we have voiced before. Non-essential travel, non-essential Um, transportation all that those are opportunities and areas that we can reduce and we have had these conversations again the not to exceed is the not to exceed amount in abundance of caution to make sure we can plan for it but I think that would be that would be where we would land with this in terms of letting them know that we continue to make sure that the end result and the ROI we're looking for is a successful recertification within the constructs of our fiduciary responsibility to identify opportunities to reduce the cost on the contract
9: so they're doing the work until the end of the year. Do you think there's any risk that if they, if you said we're we're rejecting this, we're, the, the board rejected this, we now have to renegotiate? Do you think they would sit with you, or do you think that they would? There say- would
11: be There would be a risk because one of the, of the components that I described, particularly the comprehensive assessment, mm. uh, those are items that are that work had, was initiated and has been initiated, but that will carry over to 2023. That is the work with all stakeholders and uh, that are the stakeholders and key constituents of Laguna Honda, not just employees of Laguna Honda. This is talking about um, uh, uh, CPOs, other organizations, advocacy organizations. So this is a lot of work that will carry over into. 2023. So that would be a risk that this top to bottom assessment that we are looking for and very eager to receive around the future state of Laguna Honda, that would be uh, placed in question.
9: What if we were to, um, through the chair to the city attorney, what if we were to postpone the decision on this for two weeks and allow DPH to go back and have further conversation? Could we do that?
13: Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson, you can certainly continue the item for for a week or two, but I would defer to the department on what the impact would be on the access to services. Um,
11: the answer remains the same that if for us not to receive the uh, the endorsement of the uh, amendment and the into twenty twenty three with the work that we were describing, it would. Put us in a risk of not being able to receive the deliverables that we have described which are critical to the future state planning Um, it builds on the work that was described um, before you all both in as and also in fact some of the work that's being done around uh, our focus on november 2023 so there would be a risk um, but again at the um, the conversations that would occur would be conversations that we would look to uh, revisit based on all the points that are raised today
9: yeah, I just, I have a hard time supporting this today. Uh, given the circumstances, I think this proposal is more one in the sense that it's one-sided negotiation. I think they understand the city was in crisis and they put forward a proposal. Um, it seems that there's multiple places that they're asking for travel and travel labor and additional costs. So I don't want to belabor the point, but I don't feel comfortable uh, supporting this today personally, but I, I, I will defer to the will of the board.
8: Supervisor Chan. Thank you, Chair Ronan. I, I understand, I share the concerns. Um, I, I do also, because of um, the presentation yesterday um, with Mr. Pickens you know, before the board and the conversation that we had yesterday, I, I think the fact that they, we've been meeting the goals exceeding over 90%, that means that we're delivering the results that we needed. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this has also come at the heel of when we actually reached the settlement with CMS um, that allow us to have the deadline extended all the way to November, 2023. It is unfortunate. I think that's kind of why that I did ask, how many more of these emergency contracts do you anticipate? Because that is problematic. If we're seeing more of this, I think it's very challenging. I, I think for the first two that we saw that we were fine with because we thought it's what we needed to get to the settlement, but to actually have these come anymore after the settlement, it's going to be very difficult for this body to approve. I want to actually have a, I do actually have a question because I think that um, the question around funding source is legitimate, especially as we're heading to a conversation with the upcoming budget. Is does this money actually comes from, we actually, I believe we have a public health reserve. So is this money actually coming from that $100 million of public health reserve?
9: No, no. She said it's coming from their existing budget. Right.
12: No, that reserve is not appropriated right now. So um, the department would need to come before this body to get approval to use that reserve.
8: Okay. Um, so I just want to clarify that. I, I here's my suggestion. I think to send a message to Department of Public Health that we will no longer accept emergency contract on this matter. on, on in this manner is that like I perhaps we vote it out without. Recommendation and perhaps Supervisor Safayi through the chair, that that you could justify and and really have that discussion at full board and remind our colleagues that you know we are sort of you know between the rock and a hard place, and that both for the Department of Public Health and and us, that if this were to come again, we we will no longer be accepting any emergency contracts retroactively.
13: Um. I do just yeah, want to please. note that the amendments that DPH has asked you to approve are substantive. Mm-hmm. So if you do approve them today, it will come back to you next week, and you'll have time to think about whether you want to stick with those amendments or you could change them next week.
0: Thank you. I I,
13: I thought that was the case as well, but I I,
0: I I'll just I'll just uh, echo Supervisor Chan. Um, we need to get this right, <laughs> and so I I, I am. I am inclined to support this, um, but I, I again, you know, it's a good good thing about having a consistent budget and finance uh, committee that sees these contracts in the middle of the year when we do the budget. Because next year or this coming year, when we do the budget, and DPH tells me there's nowhere that they can shave in their budget, and yet I'll tell them that uh, you know, on a on a dime, they found $7 million in their existing budget that they're going to have a lot of explaining to do. Well,
9: so. Madam Chair, I think it, since this is going to be continued, we should have the CFO come and tell us where the money's coming from next week.
0: Well, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. She exactly. said it's cost in the operating savings within budget. The, but yeah.
9: let's know exactly where. Let's, let's find that out. Yeah, let's have that, that information
11: great. on the record. One thing just to, to comment on. Um, Certainly, I, I, Supervisor Shannon, I appreciate the point you made, and, and the reason it is retroactive, because a lot of this work has been completed, and particularly the curriculum piece. So we have seen the ROI. We have seen the the data support the compliance of 100% of the training curriculum, which is one of the ones that I referenced. So I, that, in that sense, absolutely, that the ROI is there. I think the um, other piece around just the prioritization of this contract over other items, I, I would say that the... Um, with the focus of Laguna Honda and recertification taking the priority of focus not just for DPH but for the city that it lent itself to then what is being deprioritized so I think part of the um, at the appropriate venue to have the discussion of you know what was deprioritized or you know the funding I think that would be the discussion I don't I don't believe it is a matter of of cushion I think again the fiduciary responsibility to one to the largest city department is certainly it but I do believe that um, the point to to be discussed around is what was he prioritized how was this prioritized and how the funding was then identified Um, I appreciate the the query and the response and I think that we welcome that opportunity to have that conversation
0: yes but I would just respond that um, if something can be you know deprioritized now it could have been deprioritized when we asked them to look at anywhere in their budget that wasn't essential and they told us you know, every dime was essential, right? And so, um, although DPH did, did, did cut their budget more than anyone else, I will say, last year. But having said that, I, I, I think that's a good idea if we could have um, the uh, CFO come to committee next week uh, to respond to these questions and, and go over um, the budget uh, in detail what was deprioritized or defunded in order to cover this.
9: I think there's a few items on the agenda next week that he's gonna be here for anyway. So <laughs> yeah, they're gonna DPH is gonna be in the House next week. <laughs> okay. So that's Madam good. Chair. But
0: anyway, thank you. Thank you for so directly and thoroughly answering the questions. Really I appreciate, appreciate the
11: that. opportunity and thank you for the questions.
0: Thank you. So I will make a motion to amend the item uh as laid out uh by Mr. Done, huh? and, and then to continue the item to the November 9th Budget and Finance Committee meeting.
1: On that motion, uh, to accept the amendments to increase the NTE amount and receive the proposed amendment number one for approval as offered by DPH. Uh, and to continue this uh, resolution to the 11-9 meeting of this committee as amended. Uh, Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai. Aye. Member Chan. Chan I chair Ronan Aye, Ronan I we have three that
0: motion passes unanimously thank you mr. clerk can you please call items four and five together
1: yes chair Ronan items number four and five are uh, is legislation regarding the issuance of one or more series of special tax bonds for the city and counties community facilities district Number 2014-1 for the Transbay Transit Center. Item 4 is a resolution authorizing the issuance and sale of the special tax bonds in the aggregate principal amount not to exceed $90 million, approving related documents, including an official statement for supplement to fiscal agent agreement, bond purchase agreement, and continuing disclosure undertaking, and determining other matters in connection therewith. As defined, item 5 is an ordinance appropriating the $90 million from the issuance of bonds and placing these on Controllers Reserve in fiscal year 2022-2023. to 2023. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 24974089634, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, press star 3 to enter the speaker line. A system prompt will indicate that you've raised your hand. When the system indicates you have been unmuted, that is your cue to begin your comment. Madam Chair.
0: Thank you, um, and are you Mr. Rodriguez?
14: I am, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Madam Chair, members of the committee. My name is Alfonso Rodriguez. I'm the DTX Project Director uh, with the Transbay Joint Powers Authority, Anna Van Degna th- from the Controller's Office, and I will present this item. So next slide, do we have a slide deck up? I don't see it. There we go. How about the next slide, please? Thank you. So um, in this presentation, we both will provide a uh, brief description of the Transbay program, illustrate Transbay Joint Powers Authority uh, or TJPA's coordination with the Federal Transit Administration and the Capital Investment Grants process for project funding. Anna will then describe the plan for the proposed bonds, specifically how the proceeds will be used, and the terms for financing, and then finally the financing schedule. Next slide, please. Great. So TJPA is charged with managing and delivering the TransBay program, which included replacing the former TransBay terminal with the multimodal Salesforce Transit Center, serving as a hub for Bay Area transit, along with a beautiful public five-acre rooftop park and retail services. The program was completed, the program also completed a two-story train box located below the entire four-block long Salesforce Transit Center. The program created a transit-oriented neighborhood Um, And once the additional sites are completed, it will uh, provide nearly 4,000 housing units with 35% affordable. Phase two of the program will extend Caltrain and California high-speed rail underground from Caltrain's current terminus at 4th and King Street into the multimodal Salesforce Transit Center. In 2019, the Downtown Rail Extension received a Federal Transit Administration record of decision for its final environmental impact study, and engineering work has since been underway. The project achieved another milestone in December 2021 when it was accepted in the Federal Transit Administration's Capital Investment Grants New Starts Pipeline. And in February next year, we will request entry into the next phase of this grant, where the project will be evaluated for federal funding uh, eligibility. So next slide, please. So the DTX project will extend um, Caltrain service into Downtown San Francisco, connecting it into the Salesforce Transit Center, offering easy transfers to multiple transit service providers, connecting housing with employment, education, and health care throughout the city, the entire Bay Area, and beyond. When California high-speed rail is completed to the Transit Center, it will extend this reach to, with a one-seat ride opportunity from downtown San Francisco to downtown Los Angeles. The project will significantly reduce greenhouse gas emissions, taking vehicles off the road with an estimated 90,000 riders on the segment alone once both operators provide service. Next slide, please. DTX is presently in the project development phase of the capital investment grant process. With approval of last year's CFD bond issuance, we were able to demonstrate to the FTA sufficient committed funding to conduct engineering and project development required in that phase of the grant. Likewise, in February next year, we will again need to demonstrate a funding commitment, this time 30% of our non-FTA uh, grant amount, in order to be able to request entry to the next phase, known as the engineering phase of the grant. The proposed bond issuance will comprise a necessary portion of that commitment. Subject to, bond, uh, subject to funding availability, ability, excuse me, we will submit our request in August next year for consideration in FTA's annual funding grant cycle, and at that time we'll need to demonstrate commitments of 50% of our local share. Our schedule calls for demonstrating our full funding share in the spring of 2025 in order to obtain our full funding grant agreement. I should point out on this slide that the period between February and August next year is known as the pre-engineering phase. And that's where this project will be evaluated by FTA to be permitted to advance in the grant process. So I'll turn the next slide over to Anna.
12: Thank you. Good afternoon, Supervisors. Uh, Anna Van Public Finance Director. so based on market conditions, as of uh, September of this year, we were estimating about $72 million of uh, proceeds, project fund proceeds from this bond issuance. Um, this would be about $44 million for TJPA for the, the project that was just described. Uh, the remaining $28 million um, would be for street improvements in the area, acquisition of transit vehicles, and uh and modernization at the Embarcadero uh, BART station. Um, Again, based on September market conditions, we estimated an interest rate of 5.67% for 30-year financing. This also assumes a AA-plus rating and a mix of of taxable and tax-exempt bonds. Um, Assuming uh, we move forward with an $80 million financing, we estimate Uh, The total debt service over the life of the loan to be approximately approximately 170 million. Uh, The proposed not to exceed bond amount allows for fluctuations um, in market conditions. I will note that um, since uh, this analysis was put together, rates have increased a little bit, so we might see a slight reduction in the um, project fund proceeds at the time of the sale. Um, in terms of our schedule, if the legislation passes in November, we would expect to sell the bonds in late December or early January and, and close the issue at that time as well. Um, this includes our formal presentation, but we have representatives from Public Works, BART, MTA, as well as TJPA folks, um, and some of my OPF colleagues on the line as well. Thank you so much.
0: There's no budget in the legislative analyst report. I just wanted to make a couple comments. Um, My colleagues uh, representing San Francisco um, and I on the MTC, I serve on the MTC, have been strenuously advocating for regional prioritization, uh, as you know, of DTX project, Uh, as DTX is the priority for rail expansion in San Francisco, and we know will have a region-wide impact. I understand that this request for local CFD funds for the project is being sought by TJPA to continue to design and develop the DTX project in the absence of other currently available regional, state, and federal funds. I also understand that the TJPA plans to seek further Prop K sales tax funds from SFCTA in the coming months. Given how significant a regional investment this project is, it is unfortunate that local San Francisco funding and financing are continuing to play an outsized role in keeping the project on schedule, and we must continue our collective work to leverage other regional and state funding for this project. We've been working closely with TGPJPA and the SFCTA on advocating for and securing additional funding, and my understanding is the current multi-agency MOU expires next year. And so I did have one question for Mr. Rodriguez. Um, are there plans to continue with a similar multi-agency MOU moving forward, especially given The outside role that San Francisco has has played and is playing in in keeping the financing for this project on tap
14: there is so uh, one of the items that we've already presented to our TJPA board is just that a governance structure that takes the project from its current planning development phase into more of a procurement pre-delivery phase and the MOU needs to reflect that the requirements associated with the um, Advancement of the project to that phase that I described. So the board is well aware that the um, current MOU expires June of next year and we're on track to present an alternative structure that takes The project to that next phase of development
0: and that in in that new structure will include a new MOU with
14: It it will include a new agreement amongst the participating entities. Yes, it, it will be an MOU
0: Okay because um, I believe this interagency collaboration is essential <laughs> and I hope that we will have TJPA's full cooperation. Right.
14: All right. It is imperative to have that cooperation. I've experienced it myself. I see it.
1: It's, I agree with you.
0: Okay. Thank you. Since I see no uh, further questions, we can open this item up for public comment.
1: Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now to speak. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of two four nine seven four zero eight nine six three four. then press pound twice. Once again, you will need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. And for those already in the queue, uh, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been admitted and your signal to begin your comments for both items 4 and 5. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber, Uh, Mr. Lamb, please unmute our caller. Hi, I'm Charlie Lavery uh, with
15: the Operating Engineers Union, Local 3, and I'm here to uh, uh, thank you for your civic service, supervisors, and your diligence on these matters, and urge the committee to support the CFD bond funding and send it to the full board with a positive recommendation The DPX is a transformational infrastructure project with huge equity value. It will deliver on decades-long promises to bring communities closer and provide Bay Area residents with better access to jobs and economic opportunities. It will also mitigate climate change by reducing greenhouse gas emissions from cars and planes. And from a building trade's point of view, you know, the the Transit Center created over 24,000 construction jobs for local workers, And we expect the DTX to create over 21,000 local jobs, also spurring economic activity and helping the city recover from this global pandemic.
1: So once again, I urge your support. Thank you. Thanks so much, Charlie Lavery, for your comments. Uh, Mr. Lamb, do you have any other speakers in the queue? Uh, Madam Chair, that uh, completes our queue.
0: Public comment is now closed. No comments from my colleagues. I'd like to make a motion to send items four and five to the full board with positive recommendation.
1: Uh, apologies, Madam Chair. Uh, I do believe we have a, um, a webcasting glitch uh, ahead of that vote. So um, I am I'm hoping to seek advice from, uh, from SFGovTV whether we are still broadcasting ahead of that vote um perhaps a quick five minute recess while i get to the bottom of this
0: okay we will be on recess for five minutes Welcome back to the November 2nd meeting of the Budget and Finance Committee. I was in the middle of making a motion to send items 4 and 5 to the full board with positive recommendation. Can we have a roll call on that motion?
1: On that motion to forward both items to the full board with a positive recommendation. Vice Chair Safai. Safai. I member Chan. Aye. Chan. I Chair Ronan. I, Ronan. I. We have three eyes.
0: Motion passes unanimously. Know, Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Can you please read item number six?
1: Item seven, Madam Chair. Item six. I'm sorry. What? Uh, uh, item seven, Madam Chair, item six? I thought item we took six. seven, eight. Didn't we take seven, eight out of order? And yes, oh. item six. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Item six is a resolution approving amendment number one to a grant agreement between the Office of Economic and Workforce Development and Mid-Market Foundation for management of the mid-market tenderloin community-based safety program to increase the grant amount by approximately $11.5 million for a total not to exceed amount of approximately $20.5 million and to extend the term for three months for the total period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2023. With a one-year option to extend the grant to June 30th, 2024, uh, at an increased grant amount of $12.4 million, for not to exceed the amount of approximately $32.9 million, effective upon approval of this resolution and to authorize the director to enter into amendments or modifications to the contract prior to its final execution by all parties that do not materially increase the obligations are liabilities to the city and are necessary to effectuate the purposes of the contract. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 24974089634, then press pound twice. Once connected, press star 3 to enter the speaker line. A system prompt will indicate that you've raised your hand. And when the system indicates you have been unmuted as your cue to begin your comments, Madam Chair.
0: Thank you so much. And we have Chrissy Atano here from Office of Economic and Workforce Development. Clerk, we have a
16: presentation that we wanted to queue up. My colleague is joining in teams and is in the chamber. Thank you so much. Good afternoon, Chair Ronan, Supervisor Chan, and Vice Chair Safai. Krizia Tano, Chief Operating Officer for OEWD. I am joined here today by Amy Cohen, our Director of Public Space Regeneration, who oversees the Mid-Market Foundation Grant Agreement before you today. Steve Gibson of the Mid-Market Foundation and Lena Miller and Louis Hammonds of Urban Alchemy are also here with us. The proposed resolution would approve amendment number one to a grant agreement between OEWD and the Mid-Market Foundation for management of the mid-market tenderloin community-based safety program. My apologies. Next slide. This grant funds the ongoing deployment of safety ambassadors in the mid-market tenderloin community that many of us see on our daily commutes into City Hall. Next slide. A brief overview of the program. This is a partnership be- between OEWD, the Mid-Market Foundation, and Urban Alchemy. The program covers 80 block faces. You see that in the map on the side above you. Postings are from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and are seven days a week. Approximately 225 ambassadors are deployed to postings throughout the neighborhood. Next slide. The Mid-Market Foundation proactively addresses mid-market's evolving needs through comprehensive support for local business owners. The Mid-Market Foundation developed the program vision and led implementation as a pilot project in partnership with Urban Alchemy. Mid-Market Foundation coordinates program services with city agencies, community-based organizations, and other stakeholders in the Tenderloin and Mid-Market area. They provide communication and engagement with the community to evaluate and adjust the program to support community requests. Next slide. I'd like to have Lena Miller and Louie Hammonds join to share their
17: overview of Urban Alchemy. Thank you. Good afternoon, members of the Board of Supervisors. Very good to see you in person. Um, so uh, many of you know a little bit about Urban Alchemy, so I'll give a very, very brief overview also, because I don't have that much time. <laughs> but we. But, uh, The organization is actually a uh, social enterprise uh, to create uh, career opportunities for people getting out of prison after uh, life sentences uh, and also people with life experience. Uh, That is, and that means experiencing homelessness or some other form of trauma, unfortunately. The reason for that is um, that if you are able uh, to be resilient enough to overcome some kind of trauma, uh, what that builds is an extraordinary, extraordinary sense of emotional intelligence. To really be able to read a person, to be able to talk to a person, to be able to connect to a person on another, on another level that a lot of people probably aren't used to communicating with people on, on an everyday basis. It kind of takes having to go all the way there, all of the way to the hopelessness and to find hope or light in some kind of way to build that emotional intelligence. And that's really the secret sauce of the Urban Alchemy practitioners. But more importantly, um, uh, uh, outside of the, the work that we're able to do and the outcomes in creating safety and cleanliness um, in some of our most chaotic areas in San Francisco, um, yeah the other benefit of urban alchemy is that we have this uh, uh, double bottom line um, and that 40 percent of all first source hires in the city and county of san francisco are with urban alchemy 40 percent of all first source hires <laughs> in the city. So we have shattered the record uh, for first source since it, it was implemented 20 years ago. So we're really hiring people and retraining them for careers um, who have been traditionally completely left out of the job market in San Francisco and now creating um, job opportunities, but really uh, people who are seeking out people who are coming home. Um, after decades in prison and, 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 pe- and really valuing people's life experience and really changing the paradigm around that um, and so um, so our approach is uh, engagement and to promote pro-social behavior so just to talk to people about what's going on and not to be afraid of people and to have those conversations right and, and, and to be okay with offering help when you see somebody who's having a psychotic break or just having a really bad day and not able to to control or contain their emotions or people who are just completely isolated to develop those relationships over and over and over and people just going to work every day. And that creates a web in our communities that changes the energy and makes it a lot safer for all of us and I think we've all kind of experienced the magic of these practitioners and and that's just about them connecting with everybody in the community and the last one I will let our director of training this is the man uh, who helped developed the urban alchemy training I know all the questions we get is like well what kind of training do you guys have you know and it's like you know we do have training we've done it for a long time and I'll give it to uh, Lou to explain exactly what kind of training uh, we have
18: she said everything I was gonna say. <clears throat> uh nice to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. You know, the training really starts with it's restorative. A lot of our practices are restorative justice practices. And what we had with the opportunity with Dr. Miller, I am a former LTO long-term offender. I was released in 2017. And you know, just speaking in the eye perspective, I'll only speak about myself, but a lot of who works for us is in similar circumstances myself. I was looking for an opportunity to give back to my community. I know that I had hurt a lot of people. I had obligations that I needed to amend, and I didn't know how I was going to do it. Urban Alchemy and the model really gave me an opportunity to say, this is how you can live your amends. This is what you can do. And we believe that it starts with the trauma-informed lens. That's really what a lot of our training is about, is understanding trauma, understanding a trauma-informed lens, understanding that people are coping in unhealthy ways out there. Sometimes they're, you know, we don't even start off with anything other than get well. Sometimes that's what you're seeing, is people that are getting well out there on the streets. And we say, let's let's be in relationship. You know, my name is Louie, what's your name? It doesn't matter. Okay. Well, here's a cup of coffee and I'll be here tomorrow. And over time, it doesn't matter. It turns into, Hey, my name is max max. I thought you, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Then it matters. Now we're in community. We're stakeholders together with you. And we're going to try to do our best to be pro social and positive. So really the training starts with everyone understanding what is our model, what are our values, respect, care, trust, humility, those are restorative. And then we map them with respect, integrity, empowerment, empathy, self-discipline, self-control in which Dr. Miller added self-care. Self-care because we know that a lot of our practitioners are out there and we don't want them to suffer compassion fatigue, we don't want them to suffer the secondary post-traumatic stress disease of the caring disease and we make sure that we monitor that as well. We have mental health that steps in, we have peer support groups that step in and then we, once we re- identify what is our vision, what is our mission, what are our values, we talk about the secret sauce. Interpersonal relationships. That's it. That's what you're seeing out there is what a real interpersonal relationship looks like. You know, I had seen someone said, uh, are they professional shoers? Right? I saw that in a Twitter, and, and it kind of hurt me in my heart, to be honest with you. But I had to sit and, and, and marinate on that for a minute. And really, when I came up with the right answer, the honest answer, it was that's what a relationship looks like. That's what conversation looks like. Positive, pro-social, and I know you and you know me. You know where to find me, and there is a standard. Urban Alchemy has a very high standard. If you break these rules, if you go against what we're talking about, and, and training sounds like this. You're getting paid to be kind. Who else is gonna pay you to be kind? That's what we're doing here. Now let's talk about what that looks like in real time. And then we move to de-escalation because there is a lot of times trauma that we're going to meet firsthand. I think it was 46,000 de-escalations from uh, January till today. And that is important that they understand what does de-escalation look like, what are our options. We train in de-escalation, we have advanced de-escalation, conflict resolution, and that cultural competency of understanding you or me. You are me, and that's really why our practitioners are so great is because you really are me. I was you, We, I I suffered a lot of the same things that you're suffering today. We have a lot of people who are in recovery. We tell our unhoused neighbors that we find on the streets and it's a part of our training. You get in a a program, you you start tackling that addiction, you got a job at Urban Alchemy. Me, why me? Who better? Who better than you so that they can say, What? No, Max got clean. Oh, my God, I know I got a chance because Max is probably one of the worst in that crew. It's through relationships. It's through people saying, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. And I think that really we're just saying we're going to put our heart into it and we're going to show that we care, and that's really the basis of what we're doing. It's people who really do care and want to make a difference in a community, and we're just trying to teach them and train them how to be their best self and make sure that they have all the opportunity to be successful. so I, I have a little paper here. You probably can't see it. Don't mind leaving it here. It has a lot of the trainings that we provide. This is nowhere near the extensiveness of it. We have it's a little bit too much. I don't even want to say the numbers. It's in the hundreds, but we focus on really what is the need for now and how can we give you your best self? and if i have if you have any questions in specifics, uh, you know I the Chronicle had came in and they had um, asked if they can attend our training. Absolutely, come on in and have a seat. And I think the important part of why we allowed them in was so that we can tell you and everyone else This is what your grandma used to tell you about how to act. This is what your family used to encourage you to be when you wanted to be your best self. And that's exactly what we're teaching and training and we're enforcing it with love. And our love is specific. It's agape love, unconditional. I'm gonna meet you where you're at. If I gotta get on the ground to do it, then that's what I'm gonna do. But we are looking for positive pro-social things and we're gonna ask that you meet us there. Los Angeles they're the circle team crisis intervention through community led engagement we train the same here that we do in LA so there is no difference other than the title so I just when I pass that around if you look at that you guys are welcome to any of our trainings
17: I just want to add this one thing is that this this is community engagement um, being used in in non emergency situations with people who are in mental health crises um, that is uh, n- non-law enforcement, right? We're modeling. And look who it is. <laughs> the, the, it, I mean, it's crazy how, how it all kind of fits together. And, and this is something that is born in San Francisco, right? On our flag is the Phoenix. You talk about rising from the ashes when it's all burned down. And I just want to kind of bring to light, like everything that urban alchemy is and has been is quintessentially the spirit of San Francisco. This is who we are. When it all breaks down, we find a way through. And as he mentioned, Los Angeles copied San Francisco's Model and kind of added some bells and whistles on it and and people are calling us from all over the country to say What is it that you guys are doing down there? Um, But this is born and bred of our spirit. So we just want to say thank you
0: Dr. Miller. I just had a quick question for you is urban alchemy a its own nonprofit.
18: Yes. Okay. Thanks Thank you
16: we could get the deck back up. Thank you, Lena and Louie. Um, we'll move to the next slide. So in terms of program evaluation, the Mid-Market Foundation conducts program evaluation through two surveys a year. The recent survey, which was conducted in April of 2022, had the following survey findings. 90% of the respondents were familiar with the program. 78% had been directly engaged with an ambassador on the ground. 85% feel safer during program hours, and 83% report good experiences with ambassadors. The next survey will be conducted this month um, in the next few weeks with stakeholders. Next slide, please. So in conclusion, uh, in the BLA report, OEWD agrees with the BLA's recommendation to amend the proposed resolution to require the Board of Supervisors approval for extending the grant term beyond fiscal 21, sorry, excuse me, fiscal 22 and 23, and reduce the not-to-exceed amount from 32.89 million down to 20.49 million. Thank you again. Uh, our team is here to answer any questions you may have regarding this. Thank you, and I think
0: we'll hear from the budget and legislative analyst first.
4: Okay. So item 6 uh, is a resolution that would approve an amendment to OEWD's existing agreement with the Mid-Market Foundation um, and, as it's written now, would increase the not-to-exceed amount from $9 million to $32.9 million, um, and and extend the term through July 2024. Um, there's an existing agreement uh, between OEWD and Mid-Market uh, for $9 million uh, for a term July 2022 through March 2023. Um, and this is an agreement, uh, as, as I think has been discussed, to pro- primarily to provide community ambassador staffing in the mid-market um, tenderloin area. We show the service area on page 13 of our report, uh, and we also show the budget for this uh, grant agreement on page, um, excuse me, 10 of our report. You can see that. Uh, this agreement primarily funds a sub-grant uh, to Urban Alchemy to provide the community ambassador staffing, which we, re- which we reviewed in detail. Um, and there's also $1.6 million um, to the Mid-Market Foundation itself, which we understand is responsible for doing community outreach to inform the deployment of the community ambassadors. Um, you'll also notice that the budget for the grant services decreases from $20.5 million this year to $12.4 million next year. This is consistent with what the Board of Supervisors approved for this program and the recent budget process. Um, and I also, this is, again, is just for the community ambassadors in mid-market. It, it's not for the community ambassadors that were announced um, earlier this week or last week. Um, I did want to note a couple policy considerations, though, related to this grant agreement. One is that, you know, the the OEWD designed this program and the RFP associated with the procuring this a grant agreement to basically require to 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 require um, community businesses and property owners to be you know part of the grant um, and so because that was included as a minimum qualification in the RFP and the RFP itself was only open for two weeks you know in our opinion this Probably limited the pool of potential applicants, and also um, kind of required funding in the grant agreement for these community outreach efforts. On, you know, for this contractor, um, you know, in general, we believe the Urban Alchemy budget is reasonable, particularly on the staffing side. We did notice that there was a car budgeted at twenty-eight thousand dollars, which we felt was over budgeted relative to the service area and the contract. Um, and in addition to that, one of the deliverables in the grant agreement. Uh, was to provide a ramp down plan um, to basically plan for that decrease in funding in the second year of the grant agreement. That was due to the city in August, it's not done yet. So I really can't tell you um, how the how the services are gonna change in the second year of the grant agreement. And so it's for that reason, we had made that recommendation to actually only approve the first year of the grant agreement. Um, and we consider approval of the rem- of the remainder to be a policy matter for the board.
8: Thank you. Supervisor Chen. Thank you, Chair Ronan. I want to clarify on the BLA report, page seven, with the footnote, that it actually mentions that um, separately under, and and I just want to clarify, because right now we're discussing about 20 million or, you know, and not to exceed $20,490,000 and then with the total not to exceed 32 something million dollars. But on the BLA report on the footnote, when you when the BLA specifically talk about separately under the mayor's Tenderloin emergency declaration, uh, that OEWD also enter a separate sole source $7.4 million agreement with Midmarket Foundation for January 2022 to Jan, uh, June 2022 that is a $7.4 million on top of what we're looking at right now. It's not inclusive of that.
4: That's correct. And that was in the prior fiscal year. Yeah. So that's a separate contract and a separate service and a separate time period. Just to be clear.
8: Thank you. And um, I, I, I'm trying to understand what is this reference of 501 C six? Why, why is it there?
4: Um, that was uh, to explain kind of what this entity is. I mean, I think when people hear about, oh, there's community ambassadors in the tenderloin, people assume it's an agreement, that this agreement is actually with Urban Alchemy. In fact, it's with the Mid Market Foundation, which is a 501c3. So it's a nonprofit that I think most of us are familiar with that's affiliated with a 501c6, which is a different part of the um, Internal Revenue Code um, that basically allows for organizations to form, uh, to advocate for a common business interest, that's a 501c6. So like the Chamber of Commerce, for example, is like an example of a 501c6. So the Mid-Market Business Association is a 501c6, um, which it then formed a 501c3 called the Mid-Market Foundation, which is the counterparty in the grant agreement that's before you. So
8: essentially there's sort of two entities but they're connected. One is function as a 501c6 and the other is 501c3, which is now we're having this grant agreement with um, as mid-market foundation.
4: That's correct, Supervisor.
8: Thank you I I think this is more as a question for the mayor's office and and I think it's overall and we had these conversation already during budget you know consistently we had the conversation of the ambassador programs not just with the urban alchemy in this case really is through a, a social co- so source contract essentially through mid-market foundation and that you know for the ambassador program but we know that there's also the downtown ambassador there's the Union Square, um, be, you know, benefit districts, uh, ambassadors, their own ambassador, and then there's also the Department of Public Works as well, OSEA, ambassador program, not to mention we also are having street crisis as well as street wellness uh Team. The reason being is because, you know, I I do see that there is, you know, a monthly report uh, for the Urban Alchemy in this case specifically talking about positive engagement, but also including uh, incidents like 911 calls, overdose reversals, which is very similar uh, capacity and really duties of both street wellness and street crisis teams that we have put money and not to mention that we also at this body has invested at least a couple fiscal years ago three million dollars to implement CART. And so I think ultimately the question is that not just this body as uh, and the board of supervisors for policy, but also for, for the executive branch to really think about how do we make sure that we're not creating duplicated duties. We are efficient with the way we spend our money, well, really the taxpayer dollars, and then, but also efficient with we deploy resources that we're not saturated in one area. And in this case, at 80 blocks, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., in 225 ambassadors with a vehicle, and and while rest of the city, we're we're trying to all, I think. My colleagues and I in different neighborhoods are all trying to figure out how do we then get the resources that our communities and our constituents deserve. Um, I for one, I think there's a press you know outlet out there somehow indicating that the Richmond can wait because somehow it's affluent. I strongly disagree with that. I think the rest city rest of the city cannot wait that everyone is equal and should receive equal resources that Appropriately, it it deserves driven by data, and you know in this case that if the data in this area is what is needed, of course you know we're going to spend resources accordingly. But is it all and only resources provided and allocated in this area? I, I would not think so. But it seems like the way that it's laying out. And not to mention the mayor has just announced another hundred and fifty ambassador last week, but according to BLA is actually not budgeted within here uh, within what we're looking at so i'm just really concerned about just overall how how we're calculating our success with the money that that is according to the money that it's being spent so that's so i while i'm supportive of of this uh, agreement before us today, I'm definitely uh, supportive that to limit, it's not to uh, see amounts to the $20 million that we have agreed upon um, during the uh, budget process and uh, and really look forward to learning about the ramp down plan. Um, in fact, I would also like to see details, monthly reports that is saying that it actually does provide to OEWD. Um, I would like to understand a bit better about deployments, meaning out of 225 within the 80 blocks, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., how are individuals being deployed. I appreciate seeing the activities, but I like to see how those activities report in terms of including you know, uh, positive engagements or interrupt negative behaviors, de-escalation interventions like how are they overlapping with both SAPD, street crisis, street wellness, and other ambassador activities? Thank you.
0: Did you want to answer those questions, Miss Tano?
8: A
16: couple points, and it sounds like you were just uh, stating your desires, Supervisor Chan, but just to clarify on the vehicle. The vehicle actually, um, in further research with our partners, we have not actually leased the vehicle, there was a policy Uh, decision to just uh, fund um, mileage for the employees and so those funds have been repurposed to um, services on the ground and so just that point of clarification on the monthly reports we can provide those to you supervisor on the um, 225 ambassadors that's the FTE equivalent those are um, deployed in terms of posts, so approximately 100 posts through those 80 blocks, but we can provide that information to you further. Um, And then just on the, yes, I think OEWD is very much in agreement that um, this problem is more than just the tenderloin. In the mayor's announcement two weeks ago, there is going to be a shift where DEM will be convening a citywide working group to talk about this as a comprehensive Problem and a solution, so it's not just a one-off that we do neighborhood by neighborhood. But, you know, OEWD has been a partner to many of you at the board (laughs) to try and solve problems on the ground with community. So we are your partners in this work.
0: Thank you. Does Mid-Market Foundation provide any particular services Mm -hmm. to the community? They, so, they are our community partner on the ground along
16: with Urban Alchemy. Much of their work is around the convening and engagement of the community stakeholders. And so, just to clarify, they are not a CBD itself, but they have membership from, uh, they represent stakeholders that include CBDs that are adjacent and within the geographic area of the 80 blocks. And so, a lot of their work is to help us do the community organizing, convening meetings, do the stakeholder survey that our staff cannot do. So, so they convene and do a survey. Yes, and they do all of the back office administrative functions for the program, the accounting, legal review of documents like this. So, a lot of the administrative functions that um, it is to deliver this program. They are also. Um, in conjunction with the Mid Market Business Association, um, and maybe I should bring Steve up because he's the executive director and can speak more to what that partnership looks
0: like. And and just before I, I talk to Steve, so is and do do we pay for the entire budget of this organization? I mean, it just um I it just seems like like a high amount for an organization that doesn't. Do they the specific services like well Urban we, Alchemy.
19: we we do more than you were just told we do all all of what you were just told but we also work closely with Urban Alchemy every day so we're also out in the field um, working with them uh, you know as as a team we decide where to deploy how to deploy how to react to uh, various issues that come up so so we're um, intimately involved in the day-to-day operations of of uh, the deployment of Urban Alchemy uh, as, as a team. So we're not just sitting in some office somewhere, reaching out, we do a, a lot more. Um, they have a quality control team that is very active. We meet with them and, and work with them, again, to, uh, to continue to work to improve the program. I mean, it's an incredible program the way it is now, but you know we're always trying to refine it uh, and make sure we're meeting the needs of the community. SO WE'RE ACTIVELY TALKING TO THE COMMUNITY ON A DAILY BASIS. Uh, ALL OF THAT IS is ONGOING. Uh, YES, AND WE DO HAVE OTHER INCOME. Uh, IN ADDITION TO THIS, WE DO PRIVATE FUNDRAISING. Uh, WE'VE RAISED ABOUT A MILLION DOLLARS IN PRIVATE MONEY THIS YEAR. Uh, SO IT'S NOT JUST THIS PROGRAM.
0: DOES THE CITY PAY FOR YOUR ENTIRE OFFICE RENT, INSURANCE? Um, Expenses, website, database, media, co- content, outreach—it's just, it, it yes, just that's see- all.
19: That's all part of this this grant.
0: But and and like the, the million dollars that you ra- raise publicly, does that contribute to all of those, or just the city It can. Exclusively- it contributes
19: to all, and it, it also um, a good portion of it goes to putting even more urban alchemy practitioners out into the community.
0: I guess that's what I'm confused about because I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Urban Alchemy's work, and right. I understand I, I, I understand it more and more every day, <laughs> um, and I'm continuously more and more impressed every day right. um, by the work, I, and I guess I'm just confused why this contract's not going directly to Urban Alchemy and why we're, we, we, we're spending a million dollars on this organization that it passes through that does similar work work. I'm just confused about the relationship. Just one
19: clarification, the the figure of 1.6 million that was thrown out there, that's for two years. It's for the, it's only 900 and some thousand for the the 12 months of of this fiscal year. Yeah. Correct.
16: And um, supervisor, I'll speak to the, why the contract is going to the Mid-Market Foundation. Um, The Mid-Market Foundation applied as a partnership Uh, with the area CBDs and urban alchemy in order to implement this community-based program. And so in addition to the deployment of the ambassadors and engagement of the the stakeholders in the community, they they decided as a group to partner together to strengthen their application to our RFP. Um, And so much of our work and when we release our RFPs is deeply rooted in community, and we want to have that community-based approach. And so it's not to say that had the other respondents submitted, maybe the outcome would have been different, but they were the sole respondent to our RFP.
0: Yeah, and it seemed set up that way. So I don't know how much I I buy that. Um, you know, it, it, the RFP was so specific that it directed them to do that in that specific way. I, I, I just, I, you know, I find, I, I, I just... I'm I'm confused on why the value added and why that doesn't just go straight to urban alchemy. S- Supervisor Safai, do you want <clears throat> to?
9: Yeah, th- thank you. Um, just on that point, I think w- what I see here, if you look at the budget on page 10, you see the tenderloin CBD, you see the tenderloin merchants. And then the Mid-Market Foundation, there's not a Mid-Market CBD, so I think they're playing that role, kind of a convening role for all the different entities and Urban Alchemy is one of the deliverables that are part of this, um, the, this contract.
0: Does, excuse me one one sec, does, does OEWD fund any other organizations like this and other neighborhoods that play a convener role? I mean, some, in, in yeah, in, I, yeah.
9: In my so district, we have the Excelsior Action Group. Yeah. So they're not a CBD, uh, yeah. but they're they're convening merchants and nonprofits and small businesses in a targeted fashion. In,
16: anyway. in your neighborhood, Supervisor Ronan, uh, similar to Cayo Quattro, we would we would fund Caja Quattro to do a lot of that convening and organizing with the community, and they, as a body, might decide this money is best suited with us as the primary lead organization, or they might say, hey, this this is a very art-specific program, this should go to Galleria. So we take much of our cues from community because they know what's best for their neighborhoods.
0: Yeah, and I guess, I, I don't know about Excelsior Action, but Caivente Cuatro does a lot of direct service as well, right? So I, and they're a cultural district, so they uh, do a lot, a lot of of event planning and, you know, cleanups, and a the lot of- The door-to-door engagement they, of the businesses, yeah. I, I can name yeah. you all the work that they that they yeah. do above and beyond, but I, I guess I'm just, I get a little confused. It, it feels like most of the work that's done is actually being done by Ur- Urban Alchemy. And so I'm wondering why we have this middleman, when we have all these other entities there. I, well- I think I can only respond
16: with, you know, and it sounds like Steve, of the total grant amount, 4.7% yeah. is going to Mid-Market Foundation that, for the work they do. Yeah, and if
19: you look at it, it's over, well over 90% goes to Urban Academy. We, we get 4.7%. That's all. And and uh, when we get to public comment, um, two of the three CBDs, well, actually all three of the CBDs, that uh, we work with in this area. We'll talk to you about the value of urban alchemy, obviously, but the value of our being part of this mix. And so you'll see how we, we bring the whole community together to move it ahead and to cause change in the community. I well
0: wasn't done. OK, sorry. Supervisor No, 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 stopping? that's OK. No,
9: I, I just wanted to jump in on that point, but then I had a few things, that, sure, comments sure. that I wanted to make. So just so I'm clear, because it's we increase the amount to potentially go through july 2024 we've amended that we're we're amending it back right so what will be the term of the contract
16: it'll go through june 30th 2023
9: okay so july 2023 or june, june? 30th
16: 2023 june. end of the fiscal year
9: and so the the final contract amount will be
16: 20.49
9: yeah. million okay So 20 20 million and 225. I just wanted to invite Lena back up for a minute if if that's okay. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about some of the questions that were raised about crisis response responders and police responders. And I know you all do a lot of coordination with the different entities that are there Um, and I think you all would consider yourself a first line of contact. Um, before you answer that, I, just, I also wanted to say I, I just have someone that, and I've said this before, the start of my career in the city here in the Tenderloin in uh, over 22 years ago. Uh, I can tell you seeing the, the ups and downs of that neighborhood and knowing a lot of the residents that live there and knowing a lot of the people that operate and function there on a daily basis, I have to say that I, I, I'm so impressed with the work that you all have been able to do and the engagement uh, that you all have been able to provide and transition and, and then as you pointed out, and I think it can't be understated, the amount of opportunity you provided people that are reentering uh, life here in San Francisco that are San Franciscans and giving them a second chance. So to have 40% of first source hiring be through Urban Alchemy and then have such a tremendous amount of employment from formerly incarcerated, Who we're trying to ensure that they are able to keep their lives on track and not be recidivist and not go back into the criminal justice system I just want to highlight that and congratulate and uplift uh, urban alchemy here today from my own personal experiences and what I've seen we are also excited to have urban alchemy come out to the Excelsior and I think that's going to be happening uh, pretty soon something that we did a couple years ago that's just now finally going to happen uh, through the contracting process but I do want to give you an opportunity to speak about the interactions you have with crisis response, hot team, police department, first responders, and how you coordinate the activities and work that you do.
17: I think, once again, it goes back to relationships. So we're on the ground where a lot of things are happening. We're right there. I mean, and and that's the benefit of Urban Alchemy is that we're like at least two people for every block. And if not, we're... Uh, close by because of our uh, walkie-talkies, our radios. Um, And so over time, we've just, you know, responding to different incidents, you develop relationships with people, so you get, you know who the right person to call is, and you know exactly how to get, you know, uh, any kind of uh, first responders uh, there. Because, like, for example, one of those statistics was 100... And I, I believe it was 139 overdose reversals.
9: I was going to ask you about that.
17: Um, and and that's actually a lot lower this year than it has been previously. Probably because so many people carry uh, Narcan now. Um, but those are intense. If you've ever seen one of those happen, it's not just like you just go like this and people come back. A lot of times there's pumping on the chest. There's, you know, there's it, it get. It's a very intense situation because a p- person is like. Clinging on to life, if and 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 you got you know so a lot of times our practitioners are working on a, on a person, the uh, the paramedics are coming and they're kind of switching off or, um and so I think that both you know I know both police paramedics, um, all emergency responders, because they see us out in the in the field you know uh, taking it very seriously and pa- playing a very serious role that they know if we call it's It's an emergency, and over time um we've developed those relationships so it's like very clear like we're only gonna call when something's serious and we're gonna be able to describe it in in a way to you where you know you know you gotta come <laughs> come back us up so I think we've we've learned how to you know we've developed very positive relationships with everybody we're out there with we have to otherwise we couldn't be out there and be effective.
9: Right, and I also just wanted to talk about you have the ability to communicate, call 311, 911, and interact with these folks. You have the familiarity with the folks that are coming out. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, we do. My other question for you is, in terms of giving people opportunity as they reenter from after being formerly incarcerated, do you, do you work with community to identify Potential employment opportunities for people that might be from that specific community or the surrounding community. how, is, how do you interact with community on job opportunities? Uh,
17: so, man, we are overwhelmed just by word of mouth. We we get five hundred uh, job completed uh, applications a month we have backlog of over 5000 completed applications i mean there is such a demand people want to i mean it's a it's a feeling it's a vibe it's a you know it's a movement people want to be a part of that they see urban alchemy guys out there and they think i can do that or i want to do that and, and it gives them dignity like we're people that you know society comes to and they see us as uh helping and they see our top guys going all the way to the top there's no glass ceiling and I I think it's very you know inspirational to folks so we don't advertise I think if we'd be in trouble if we advertise we can barely manage uh, the demand that there is now I guess Um,
9: I guess what I'm saying is do, do people that are from the tenderloin or those organizations say we want to work in our own community
17: we want to work in our own community. But they might be from the Tenderloin. They might want to come. And oh yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. I mean, that's that's where we. Yeah, the vast majority of people who work for Urban Alchemy are from the Tenderloin, either because they live there, uh, through 111 Taylor Street, as you know, San Francisco's only halfway houses there. A lot of the SROs and halfway houses, and and plus people who've been in San Francisco for a long time. Like I said, those folks who said, you know what. I want to do that. There's a lot of folks who used to kind of be menaces to the tenderloin and sell drugs and stuff and say, you know what, I, there's something else that I can do. I don't have to do this. Um, and thank you. you know, have, have joined Urban Alchemy and stopped selling drugs, so. Great, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chair.
0: Thank you, Supervisor Chen.
8: Thank you, Chair Ronan. And I think I again I I'm taking a step back, and I had this conversation already with both our controller and and the mayor's office, that uh, you know I I think I want to reference back a little bit to make sure that a program like this, if if true, if it were to really truly proven to be successful, I think that it has to be sustainable and for the long term, and that I think that you know I think I appreciate. Some of the information about training, but I, I think training consistency, not just for urban alchemy ambassador, but for downtown ambassador basically, all ambassador programs that we need to set a standard that is consistent. Um, it's it's clear both the safety of the workers, uh, but also for just for the st- again, for the long term, um, that I want to recommend some thoughts and partnership perhaps with City College of San Francisco, and really having those setting some standards um, for training uh, all across. And I think that uh, we are also having this conversation and, and again, moving ahead to this upcoming budget year when we really having the conversation like about the entire budget, is that we figure out a consistent way for performance evaluation and audit for ambassador. Um, It could be different kinds in ambassador, but I think that we, we ought to have a standard both in training, a standard for evaluation, so that in the events that we decide that, you know, only certain ambassadors do certain tasks at a certain area, then we, we know how to evaluate them and there's no overlapping of surfaces and that is clear evaluation. So then in the events that we decide to extend this beyond this fiscal year, uh, including a rundown plan for urban alchemy specifically but for also other ambassadors, I think that there's a, a fairness all across to say this is actually what we're evaluating are we meeting these standards Um, and 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 I think that's also only um, same that I would we had the similar conversation with the fire department about street crisis response team as as well about their response time about you know death reduction and and the same thing we had with dr. Kunis about fentanyl death reduction as well. So I think overall I'm just saying that as a city as a whole how do we comprehensively evaluate these performances uh, of different kinds of program and then be able to say this is the results in combination of this this is the results that city is looking for with the cost that actually attached to all these
0: programs that we're spending on. Thank you. Thank you. I will now open this item up for public comment.
1: Thank you, Madam Chair. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now to speak right along those curtains. Uh, For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2497-408-9634, then pound, then pound again. Once connected, press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and as your signal to begin your comments. Um, I'll go ahead and start your time, once is turn.
20: Thank you. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Kate Robinson and I'm the executive director of Tenderloin Community Benefit District. I'm here um, to talk about this resolution and uh, for approving in the full amount which was already proved through the budget, budget Appropriations Committee to keep Urban Alchemy in the Tenderloin and mid-market at their current staffing levels. I have worked in the Tenderloin for 13 years and have witnessed the dramatic and positive transformation of Urban Alchemy's presence in the neighborhood. I have a very unique understanding of this transformation, as I spent several years standing at the intersection every day at Turk and Hyde, just a few blocks away from here, really, um, helping kids and seniors get safely through the neighborhood for safe passage, which is the program that I've led for several years. I I, you know, I can't even convey <laughs> the transformation of that intersection. I stood there, you know, even when I was nine months pregnant, and um, there every single day. And during the pandemic, just watched the dramatic uh, neglect of the Tenderloin, where we have the highest density of children in the whole city and the second highest density of seniors in the whole city. And I remember the fear that I had when it was time for kids to go back to school. And if it weren't for Urban Alchemy, you know, we, I don't know where we would be. And you know, they they do the most challenging work that I can imagine. And I stood outside every day for nearly a decade, building relationships. They do the most challenging work with integrity, despite the challenges that they face. I remember, I, I was thank just. You, Kate Robinson, oh, thank you. Comments. That's yeah. it. Thank you.
1: so sorry to cut anybody off, but uh, we are timing each speaker at two minutes. But uh, thank you for your comments, Kate Robinson.
21: Hi, good afternoon, um, supervisors, Madam Chair. My name is Gregory Johnson. I am a member of CCSROC, the collaborative. I actually am on a couple of the boards there, or the committees that they have there, public safety included, as well as land use. I personally live at 459 Turk, I have lived there for several years, I have watched the street with the help of, I've seen their their work, I'm there, I've seen them reverse overdoses, I've seen them, they're not the end all to be all, but I'll tell you this much, we do get the best bang for the taxpayers buck. We have seniors that are able to get out. I'm 62 years old because of Urban Alchemy. If it wasn't for them, we'd all still be shut in. Children get to and from school safely. We get value for the money that we invest in them, and they're investing it back into the community. We need that. We need those types of programs, yes. We get it back in terms of the revenues from taxes within the local businesses. But they provide a service that's meaningful. I ask that you guys collectively pass this forward with the recommendation that the contract be approved.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Gregory Johnson, for your comments. Next speaker, please.
22: Hi, good afternoon. My name is Kathy Vaughn. I'm a peer counselor for Central City Collaborative, and I also live at the Barcelona Apartments on Turk Street. I'm here today to speak on urban alchemy. As both a senior citizen and disabled, I really appreciate the work that they are doing for our community. When I walk around the neighborhood, I can always get a good morning, a nod of a head, or a how are you today? And I lo- and they love to pet my dog, Chi-Chi. I know I can come out at any time and the street will be clean. They bring hope into the neighborhood. They see so little of it. Please push this item through so we can continue to do the good work in the TL. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Kathy Vaughn, for your comments. Next speaker, please.
22: Good afternoon, Supervisors. My name is Felicia Smith. I am a tenant organizer at the Union Hotel. I'm on the Land Use Committee. I do uh, different committees for the Central City SRO Collaborative. I'm also on the Board of Directors for THC. Um, I'm here to support urban alchemy. I've lived in the Tenderloin off and on, more on than off, for 43 years. So I've seen the Tenderloin in a lot of different stages. Last year, I actually had to hit the ground because bullets were flying all around me. Um, two, two days apart, I was standing on the corner waiting for the light to change. Car pulled up, made a left-hand turn off Mason, onto, onto Eddie, and there was a man standing about a foot away from me, waiting for the light to change. And the driver's side, Window rolled down, hand came out, shot him right here, and the guy was instantly killed. I had blood on my sleeve from the guy. Two nights later, I'm on the exact same corner. I was taking care of a good friend of mine, Gail, who has passed away from COVID compl- complications. But two two nights later, I was going back to take care of her again, And all of a sudden, pop, 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 pop. And I saw people running every which way. I have a metal plate in my leg. I can't run. I had to hit the pavement on my stomach, put my arms over my head, and let the bullets fly all around me. Later on on the news, I heard there were more than 60 shots, 60 rounds fired, and they were going all around me. With urban alchemy out there, I feel safer. I feel like I Thanks can so go across Felicia the Smith street to, to the corner store, you know. They make they make. It Thank you for your better. comments,
1: Felicia Smith. Yeah. Next speaker, please.
23: Good afternoon. This is Sotou calling. Uh, I'm, I'm talking here on behalf of the Mid Market and the Civic Center uh, Community Benefit District in support of this item. Um, our street ambassadors are absolutely critical for the safety of the pedestrian of our you know, downtown Tenderloin Civic Center, mid-market area. Our sidewalk uh, and our plaza are you know, far from feeling safe for the resident employees the visitors that are coming to the area. And especially while we have such prevalent open-air drug dealing and drug use, you know, if it's our persistent, uh, our street ambassador is essential to maintaining some level of civility in a, in a public realm. Um, and if any of you, you know, would like at any point to uh, come to my district, you know, mid-market civic center and take a walk, I would be happy to point, point out personally why I'm so grateful for our presence. So thank you for supporting this item.
1: Thanks so much for your comments. And before we take this last speaker, last call uh, in the chamber for those who want to provide comment on this item. Uh, once we are done with this queue, we'll go to our telephonic line and we won't be opening public comment again.
3: Hi,
24: my name is Sarah Benton and I've been homeless for 20 years. on purpose. Um, I have a a GPS rammed in my arm right now. I don't get the same things that you guys get, okay? My information on my phone is I can't get on Google. I get wrong information. I'm at the Monarch Hotel where the feds have disabled my phone and cut the heat off. Okay, I was here in 2004 and complained about the Arlington Hotel the feds turned around, took my, my Section 8 voucher back and gave everybody on Project Section 8 a portable Section 8 voucher to go anywhere they wanted to and left me there in a mold, molded infested ass room. Okay, um, I called my daughter on my phone. My daughter, it says my daughter lives in Virginia. out my daughter is here. The feds called my daughter and told her not to talk to me. Her name is Ashante Lanham. Okay, I'm blackballed, okay. I can't get anything. If I call nine one one on my phone, it hangs up. Okay. Um what's done to me is not fair. And I wouldn't need, I need to know what I need to do to get this hump out of my arm that was rammed It's it's a dog GPS. Otherwise it wouldn't hurt. And this is illegal. So um my number is uh six five oh two eight zero three four one four and I need to know my daughter's address. Her number is Ashante Lanham. I get no information that's legal on my phone. And um, I need someone to help me with this situation. Uh, if I say the wrong thing at the Monarch Hotel, they bang on the wall, step on the, uh, or stump on the floor, and they got something, a poison that they burn in their hand and, they, and stick it under your door and it has me shaking. Okay, this has been going on a long time. I was put on, uh, on the internet for reward to have me robbed everywhere I go okay they took my storages and my cars and t- told me i'd never had those things okay thank you
1: thank you for your comments seeing no more in-person speakers here in the chamber uh mr lamb do we have any colors in the queue yes we have one color please uh, kindly admit that color
25: Supervisors. At the Board of Supervisors, you all must ask yourself, how are we addressing quality of life issues in San Francisco? In the Tenderloin, in spite of these 150 FTEs, we have very serious issues on Hyde Street. You just go ahead and check it out. Y'all are spending taxpayers' money, over $40 million. Taxpayers' money. If you look at the director's salary, $200,000. If you look at their website, Urban Alchemy, and scroll right down, you'll, you'll read the word fuckery. What type of shit is this? Supervisors, you must be ashamed of yourself. Ashamed of yourself that you don't have standards. You've taken our standards that we had and flushed it down the commode. Thank you very
1: much. Thank you, Francisco de Costa, for your comments. Uh, Mr. Lamb, do we have uh, any more speakers in the queue? Madam Chair, that completes our telephonic queue.
0: Public comment is now closed. I wanna thank everyone for uh, coming out today. I really wanna uh, thank uh, Urban Alchemy for the incredible work. I was at 33 Goff this morning again, uh, showing off your work to uh, some parents at the Marshall uh, PTA because we were hoping to open up a, a small cabin community similar to the one you run there. and as always just blown away by the professionalism the the tight ship you just run such a tight ship um and it's just incredibly appreciated because it i agree with the public commenter who said this is the hardest work (laughs) there is out there and to to accomplish what you accomplish um with you know the workforce that you Employ is, is nothing short of extraordinary. So I just, I just wanna really appreciate you for the work. I, I, I still, I'm gonna further try to understand this relationship between the foundation and Al- Urban Alchemy and understand why the money's not just going straight to Urban Alchemy, um, but I, 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 I get it more now after you've answered the questions than I did before. Um, so I am prepared to um, If nobody else has any comments make a motion to amend the item uh, for the for the 20 22 uh, 23 fiscal year to the end of it as proposed by the BLA and then send that amendment item to the full board with positive recommendation
1: on that motion to amend this resolution to uh, amend this resolution to accept the BLA's uh, recommendations uh, and to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation as amended, Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai, i aye. member Chan. Aye. Chan, I, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, I. We have three ayes.
0: That motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number um, items number nine and ten together?
1: Wrote items 9 and 10 are resolutions approving agreements with the following for management of parking garages operated by the municipal transportation agency both for an amount not to exceed 180 million in the term of five years with two two-year options to extend with said options the MTA may exercise without further approval by the Board of Supervisors effective upon approval of both these resolutions. Item 9 approves an agreement with LAZ Parking California LLC for the management of seven parking garages and two lots. Item 10 is with IMCO Parking LLC for the management of 11 parking garages and one lot. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment on these resolutions, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2497-408-9634, then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line how prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand and when the system indicates you have been unmuted is your signal to begin your comments madam chair
0: thank you and Mr. Malone
1: hi good afternoon chair and members of
26: the committee uh, Rob Malone senior manager of off street parking and the SFMTA streets division uh, here to speak on this item um, because we have not been to this body before to talk about uh, our program of parking garage management just take a couple minutes and a few quick slides to provide a little bit of history and background uh, that supports the contract item that's before you today. Uh, The off-street parking team uh, at SFMTA oversees a portfolio of 38 off-street parking facilities that are shown in the map here. Um, 21 of those are access controlled garages and lots, meaning there's uh, gates that you have to go through to get up and down. There are also the 18 uh, metered surface lots that are unstaffed that are scattered throughout uh, the commercial uh, districts uh, throughout the rest of the city. Um, just a little bit about uh, our philosophies and our strategies for managing our parking garages at the MTA. Um, a key, A key moment in the history is in Uh, There had been some issues with garage management, and in 2008, there was a uh, comprehensive consultant report uh, that was asked to look at how does the city oversee its parking garages? How could they do it better? Um, And so the findings from that really suggested the city should put a lot more resources uh, into its management of its garage properties, not just issue agreements and just hope they worked out well with the vendors, really take a more active role in that so ever since then and at least since my time uh, joining this work unit in 2010 we've really been implementing that recommendation Um, so we started with um, implementing a more uh, efficient method of contracting uh, that narrowed the number of contracts also build up a significant amount of in-house expertise um, that's now working day-to-day with our vendors and overseeing the work out in the garages. You know, in the, we have a team of six, and I would say cumulatively, there's 70 to 80 years of industry experience um, before in those folks before they came to work for the city uh, uh, with our team. Um, another very uh, large project that we're very uh, excited uh, about that completed about a year ago is we spent five years spending $35 million dollars completely upgrading uh, the equipment uh, and the supporting infrastructure that runs our garages. So this is, the system you procure includes everything, the ticket spitters, the gate arms, uh, the pay-on-foot machines, we call them the kind of ATM-style machines where you make your payments. Also put in over 300 uh, high-definition video cameras that are covering all areas of the garage where pay, that's part of the payment transaction and the... the in and out lanes, the payment lobbies, et cetera. Um, so that was a very big investment, it really brought us into the 21st century in terms of the technology, customer experience, um, credit card security and safety. So we're very happy and that, was, that project was completed uh, about a year ago. Um, actually, I'm gonna go up, no oh, down. This is just a little detail about the RFP. Um, the, We have been um, over the last 10 years um, working with, we've actually had five agreements. We had three core agreements. So we had some group agreements starting in 2011. There were also a couple um, uh, standalone agreements uh, that were um, uh, still in place. Um, So we've been very happy with how garage management has gone, the increased level of efficiency uh, we've gotten. Uh, from having the group model, Um, and therefore, in the new RFP that we put out in January, we continue that model of still two groups. We feel like is enough to still have a a little degree of internal competition and benchmarking of the performance of our different vendors in certain areas. is, a, is a, a benefit to us versus putting all our eggs in, in one basket with one vendor. So we uh, plan to continue that model. And on the screen here, you'll see uh, how the two group uh, contracts, uh, which facilities are included in each of those two groups. Um, I, I referenced our RFP. Um, our RFP process that led to the contracts that, that we have before you today was um, put out in January of this year. Um, Subsequently, we did did all the associated things, negotiated contracts with the top two scoring proposers um, uh, and successfully successfully negotiated those um, that have uh, two contracts, each that has a maximum term of nine years, not to exceed expenditure max of $180 million. Um, These contracts were approved jointly by the uh, MTA board and Parking Authority Commission. Uh, in September of this year. Uh, and the uh, effective date uh, planned is for February 1, 2023. Uh, and just the last thing we want to always point out when we're talking about garages being part of, of uh, SFMTA, the agency as we are, uh, besides, of course, parking cars, one of the primary things uh, that this operation does is generate revenue to support Muni uh, and the other uh, uh, programs of the SFMTA. Just a brief snapshot of um, from the end of fiscal 21-22 here uh, showing that uh, in fiscal 21-22, uh, garages overall generated a little over $37 million. Uh, this is for the city, um, about 75%, give or take a little bit of that actually goes to the MTA. The other 25% um, goes to the Rec and Park Department who, who owns a few of the of the garages in the portfolio, but they uh, work with us to, and have us, we're the primary oversight of those facilities, but the net income does go to Reckon Park for those. Um, and with that, I'm happy to take your questions.
0: Thank you, and before I turn it over for questions, we'll hear from the BLA.
4: Items nine and 10 are two resolutions that approve new agreements. Between MTA um, and One LAZ Parking California LLC, and uh, another agreement with MCO Parking LLC, uh, these agreements uh, cover all 21 garages and lots that are managed by the MTA. Um, and like the agreements uh, that existed, um, that are in place now, um, they are structured in a way so that the MTA pays a management fee of $10,000 per month per operator and then reimburses all the operator expenses, um, which are subject to review each year by MTA. We show on page 23 the kind of total cost of the garage program, um, which shows uh, the the revenues um, uh, minus the proposed contract costs over the next nine years will generate um, $331 million for MTA over that period, net of these contract expenses we've recommended approval.
8: Thank you, Supervisor Chen. Thank you, Chair Ronan. I appreciate um, the presentation and thank you so much for bringing this forward. Uh, I also appreciate the thinking about breaking down into two sections and just make sure that it remains competitive and that um, it seems like almost equally spaced out so that you have roughly six, more than six, a little bit over 6,000 spaces for each um, management so that you can kind of compare um, sort of the managements and, and in outcome. What I do actually have questions about only because just, um, you know, I see that 75% of so the revenue goes to SFMTA and then another 25% goes to Rec and Park depending on, you know, because of the garage, I think like, Japan Center or Portsmouth Square or even St. Mary Square, you're you're sharing the space, so to speak, like structural wise. Now that kinda of leads to sort of really the, the the question that I have is actually not so much about these contracts, but much more about maintenance and really how does SFMTA um, utilize or manage the, the revenues that you gain, which is in this case I think over $300 million over nine years, net, net revenue. So, and, and knowing that's really that the revenues essentially benefit, really brings back the benefits and prioritize our, our muni, you know, our buses and our transit. So the question that I have is, how do we really set aside money and to make sure that we actually maintain these garages in terms of capital ma- capital maintenance and capital improvements, that's so that they're fully operable. I'm going to give you a few examples. I think that both the Japan Center or even like St. Mary's Square, Civic Center Plaza, or Portsmouth Square, that sometimes that the challenges with the capital improvements or maintenance that that the garages themselves are actually not fully operable so that so that at, at some at some point you're you're not really operating in its full capacity they are not operating its full capacity and be able to generate at full capacity so do we does sfmta have a plan in terms of with the revenue gain from these garages that you actually do ha- reach a balance between maintaining these structures so that you do make sure that they're fully operable and continue to generate revenue.
26: Uh, absolutely, so I'd be happy to give you an over, overview of that. And just, when I get to the end, if you, I'm not aware of any <laughs> problems out there that are ma- meaning that we aren't operating at full capacity right now. So if there are specific things you're aware of or heard about, I'd, I'd be happy to respond to those directly. Uh, but I am, so give a little bit of overview of the capital funding program. Um, and first of all, technically, because, you know, 70, about 75% of the facilities are MTAs, really, MTA is clearly responsible for the capital program for those. Rec and Park is responsible for the capital program for its garages. However, in certain instances, for example, the, parks upgrade, the equipment upgrade that we, that we just did. Where we know we're already doing a big project, uh, program like that, we said, hey, we think we should do all the garages together not do ours, so how about we lead this project and you participate and we'll execute an MOU for how you, and they said, of course, we think that makes sense. So we do collaborate if there are big, you know, program-wide projects like that. But on other things, for example, like elevators and, and, you know, say larger, you know, there have been at times, you know, like Portsmouth Square has a, a, had a capital project that kind of proceeded on its own. And, or addressing um, certain, you know, leak issues, longer term, These, that's more a site-by-site thing. And sometimes those might be wrecking parks and, and they're really more in charge of that. But in terms of how the, I can absolutely speak to the MTA capital funding program. I'll try to keep it brief, but, so we are subject, we don't out of hand keep, the garage program does not keep any of that net income automatically. So the MTA has a committee, a staff committee called the Transportation Capital Committee. So there are 15 different capital programs within MTA, each one of those has a capital program manager and those are the, the voting members of that committee, I'm one member of that committee. So just like with everybody else, you know, we go through a process, we develop a, a 20-year capital plan of unconstrained needs, we develop a, you know, a, a capital improvement program request list, and then we all come together in that committee process and, you know, advocate for ourselves uh, to receive, you know, appropriation of money for um, projects on our capital improvement project wish list. So I'm subject, we're one of 15 groups in that. Um, so do we get all the money we'd like to have? Every, every aspect, certainly not. You know, but we do, you know, on a two-year basis, we keep a roll in updated, uh, detailed, you know, uh, accounting of our um, long-term maintenance needs and prioritize those projects are needed and advocate strongly um, for getting those projects funded but we don't out of hand keep any of that money we have to we have to compete for it with those fourteen other capital programs within MTA.
8: Is there MOU between SFMTA and Rec and Park?
26: There isn't uh, about what specifically?
8: About the capital improvements that uh... You know so that it's clearly uh, understanding between SFMTA and Rec and Park with with some of the garages that is clearly sort of a share jurisdiction.
26: There is not such an MOU so like I mentioned about that parking the parks equipment project we executed a specific MOU just for that project but in general as I said we don't do capital projects for Rec and Park and unless either, like I said, it's a covering our facilities and theirs and we discuss it in advance and they win it, or if they request, depending on a, the type of project, if they request that we do it because they think there's reason that, that our expertise makes sense that we would oversee it instead of them, of course we'd be happy to talk to them about it and then again we would probably look to execute a project-specific MOU to cover that.
8: So I'm speaking, yes, I have specific inza- examples. I'm, I, I am speaking about Portsmouth Square garage, you know, in terms of the elevator, you know, uh, renovation and as well as the Japantown, like in in the new year, on the new year day, where there was water pipe burst so that it was closed for a week, uh, if not more, you know, for both the mall itself or it was, it was definitely not easy for the merchants in the Japan center. Um, and the garage was not open and not fully operable. And then the same thing was just me two weeks ago visiting the St. Mary's parking, uh, St. Mary's Square g- garage. There was definitely leaks all over, you know, the stairway. So, I mean, clearly those, the three example, and I'm not trying to, now I just realize they are all actually <laughs> a share.
26: Um, not, not Japan Center.
8: I think uh, with, with Reckon Park? No. Even though Japantown Peace Plaza is on top?
26: Yeah, but that one, no.
8: That's good to know. Yeah. Um, so I, I think those are just the example of about just how yeah. capital improvements and maintenance are actually critical to the operation of the garages. Um, so I, I just look forward to I Here's just me recommending. I'm supportive of this no worry, Supervisor <laughs> Safayi, it's all good. I, I got you, like, sure. <laughs> but all I'm saying is that like, I am supportive of, of these uh, two RFP and, and that came in as an agreement and contract, but I think for the long haul, I want to recommend to SFMTA to consider both the, the, to set aside some percentage of your revenue generated to do maintenance work, mm-hmm. um, really just for, for, <laughs> for the long haul. I think because that clearly is revenue generated for garages, and it's just it makes sense to invest some capital maintenance so that you, you can keep it operable in its full capacity. And then I think on the uh, on, in addition to it is I recommend to actually have an MOU with Rec and Park so that your capital improvements and maintenance um, duties are clearly divided or shared, so to speak. That's my recommendation, uh, a policy recommendation.
26: Can I, can I just ask? I'd be happy to give you information on all three of those items you said, but I could do that now, or I could do it offline with you directly later.
8: We can do it offline, absolutely. Uh, I will do it. Last but not least, I, I just want to do a fine, my final plug for Portsmouth Square Garage. That it was a very successful, and I appreciate SFMTA for the. Lunar New Year um, you know for the free garage um, access uh, for the for Chinatown merchants and I had a feeling that they were probably gonna return and ask for that again and so I just wanted to put it
0: out there thank you thank you thank you so much we can now open this item up for public comment
1: thank you chair and members of the public who wish to speak on uh, these items and are joining us in person should line up now to speak for those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of two four nine seven four zero eight nine six three four then press pound twice. You'll need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. And for those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and as your signal to begin your comments. And uh, yeah, we'll start with time once you start.
27: Good afternoon, Madam Chair. Good afternoon, uh, Member of the Board of Supervisors. My name is Fred Bakele. I'm the founder of Convenient Parking LLC, a local business uh, that's been serving the city since 1993, and uh, also a joint venture partner with IMCO. And I just want to report to you uh, what an outstanding job the Parking Commission, Contract Monitoring Division, and MTA staff and the directors have done to making sure that small local business certified businesses here in the city participate in this. We understood the efficiency concern and objective the department had in the consolidation of the garages, but at the same time they wanted to find that right balance where smaller companies that would not be able to participate in this bid because of consolidation are included and they participate in this bid. So I just wanted to report that to you and they did an outstanding job and thank you for everything.
1: Thank you so much for your comments. Seeing no further speakers here in the chamber, Mr. Lamb, do we have any speakers in the queue? Madam Chair, we have no speakers in the queue.
0: Public comment is now closed. I'd like to make a motion to send items nine and 10 forward to the full board with positive recommendation.
1: On that motion to send both items nine and ten uh, to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai, I. Aye. Member Chan. Aye. Chan, I. Aye. Chair Ronan.
0: Aye. Ronan,
1: I. We have three ayes.
0: Those motions pass unanimously. Mr. Clerk, can you please read item eleven?
1: Yes. Item number eleven is a resolution authorizing the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development to expend Soma Community Stabilization Fund dollars in the amount of five hundred. 12.5 thousand to address various impacts of destabilization on residents and businesses in Soma and extend the term for an additional six months from December 31st, 2022 for a total term of January 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2023. Members of the public are joining us remotely and wish to comment on this resolution. Please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2497 then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. Hey, system prompt will indicate that you've raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, that will be your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair.
7: Hello, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon, Chair Ronan and Vice Chair Chairman Member Safai. Um, My name is Kira Geithman. I am the Associate Director for Policy and Community Affairs for the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development. Um, The resolution before you is to expend $512,500 from the Soma Community Stabilization Fund in line with its strategic plan goals. Um, This fund was established in 2005. The initial strategic plan um, was implemented in 2008, and we have continued to be engaged with our citizens advisory committee on what their priorities are for seeing these funds as they pertain to stabilizing communities which include both residents um, businesses on the SOMA area Um, the recommendations you can see uh, as provided in the attached document Um, these areas of focus as I said were informed completely by this community Um, real experience you know we've been really really grateful to have an incredibly engaged group of citizen advocates um, who represent the SOMA community that are a part of this process Um, and with that uh, we are happy to answer any questions you may have about it I would also like to note that the director of the fund Claudine del Rosario um, is also available via Microsoft teams for any specific questions that you may have so thank you
0: Great. thank you I don't believe there's any questions so we can open this item up for public comment
1: yes members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now uh, for those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001 with a meeting ID of 24974089634. Then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your signal to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber, and Madam Chair, we have no speakers in the queue.
0: Public comment is now closed. I'd uh, like to make a motion to send this item to the full board with positive recommendation.
1: On that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Safai.
0: Wait, Sof- wait. sorry. Can I withdraw that that motion?
1: <laughs> uh, we should complete the vote, unfortunately. We we can complete okay. the vote and then resend. Uh, Member Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan.
4: Aye.
1: <laughs> Ronan, aye. I we have forgot fans.
0: to call the BLA. Would you like me to withdraw the vote so you could report? Oh,
4: no, no I don't think that's necessary, Chairman. We, we recommend approval. OK, thank yeah. you.
0: <laughs> sorry about that.
1: Thank you, Kira.
0: Kira's more on top of my job than I am. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you. Um, Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number 12?
1: Yes, item number 12. Uh, oh, actually, for the record, we did have three eyes. I don't know Oh, you...
0: I'm sorry. I'm getting tired. Uh, The uh, motion passes unanimously. (laughs) Now can you read item number 12?
1: Yes, item 12 is a resolution approving and authorizing the director of the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development to execute a grant agreement with Mercy Housing California, a nonprofit California public benefit corporation for a total grant amount not to exceed 11 million for a term of 55 years effective upon execution of the grant agreement to finance the construction of an approximately 28,000 square foot community center consisting of an 8,000-square-foot child care center, a 12,000-square-foot space for the San Francisco Boys and Girls Club, and an 8,000-square-foot neighborhood space that will include community rooms and outdoor space, uh, which will be known as Sunnydale Hope SF Community Building, and adopting appropriate findings. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID, of two four nine seven four zero eight nine six three four then press pound twice once connected press star three to enter the speaker line here prompt will indicate that you've raised your hand and when the system indicates you have been unmuted as your signal to begin your comments madam chair
0: thank you uh good afternoon hi
5: Good afternoon Supervisors, Chair Ronan. My name is Sarah Amaral. I'm the Director of Housing Development from OCD. Um, It's my pleasure to introduce the resolution today for the $11 million grant for Sunnydale Hope SF Community Building. As we know, Sunnydale revitalization is a long time in the making, starting with our Seven Streets Corner Study in 2005 that identified obsolete public housing sites that are now part of our Hope SF communities. With me today, I have Jason Liu, Director of Policy for Hope SF, and project sponsor Elizabeth Kawada, Director of Real Estate Development for Mercy Housing. We have a brief presentation that I believe. um, Great. It's on the screen. I'd like to invite Jason up here just to give a brief background on Hope SF.
28: Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Sarah. Uh, Good afternoon, Supervisors. Chair Ronan, thank you for your time today uh, as we talk about Sunnydale Hope SF Community Building. as a refresher, Hope SF was created under then-Mayor Gavin Newsom's administration in response to diminishing federal funding for San Francisco's largest and most neglected public housing sites, namely Alice Griffith, Hunters View, Potrero, and in this case Sunnydale. Hope SF represents a continuing commitment by the city to achieve reparations for the insidious impacts of past and ongoing trauma, systemic and institutional racism, and deep and persistent poverty chronic disinvestment by the city in these sites over many decades had resulted in a neighborhood lacking spaces for community to gather and connect. To restore basic necessities and public benefits to Hope us communities including Sunnydale, we have come before you today to present this grant agreement for a new community center. Uh, at this point I'd like to welcome back my colleague Sarah.
5: Thank You Jason. Um, very briefly, I know we're all tired, it's at the end of the day, i am going to give you a brief update on Sunnydale Hope SF, or Sunnydale as it is right now and the presentation on the um, community building. Um, we've come a long way from our Seven Corners study almost 20 years ago. The map below is the Hope SF development as planned. Outlined areas are currently completed or current phases of development. Very quickly, the purple outline includes Kassala, a 55-unit affordable building that opened in 2019. Pink outlines 290 Malosi, a 167-unit affordable housing development that opened earlier this year, as well as Block 5, a future market rate development that's yet to start construction. The orange represents a recent phase, which is under construction, uh, under pre-development, sorry, and will include two new affordable housing developments for an additional 170 units um, of housing, two market rate buildings, and new public open space. Construction is set to uh, start on those improvements in 2023. The blue is the current phase of development, and this is what we call the hub. Currently, infrastructure improvement for the new streets and utilities are underway in this area, having started in February of this year. The Sunnydale Hope SF community building, as we mentioned, is a larger part of the hub. The hub includes 70,000 square feet of new community serving spaces. This includes our 28,000 square foot community building, which is on the left side of the screen, um, which is scheduled to start construction um, next month. It also includes a 10,000 square foot rec center with gym, financed by both the Rec and Park departments and Mercy Housing and Related. That's on the left side. Um, both buildings make direct connections to McLaren Park, Hertz Playground, and Kaufman Pool. Across the street is Block Three. There's th- where there's 3,000 sorry 30,000 square feet of community serving uses, including the DPH Wellness Center. Um, another daycare center, an incubator restaurant space, and seven micro retail spaces. This building is set to break ground in the spring of 2023. Overall, the hubs really envision to be a gateway for Viz Valley and Sunnydale residents to connect, build community, and access amenities with opportunities for recreation, health, wellness, education, retail, and dining, cultural activities, and local job and economic development opportunities. This is the ground floor use of the of the community building. Um, the center itself will be highly sustainable, durable building, and will add an additional one acre of publicly accessible landscaped um, green space and outdoor gathering areas. The project will also be LEED Gold certified. The Housing Authority will maintain a long-term ground lease at no cost to the borrower, to Mercy. Um, the Mercy, through another entity, will own and operate the improvements. As was mentioned, Wu Yi will operate an 8,300-square-foot community facility um, c- child care facility for 72 children, all of which are affordable slots. There will be an additional 12,000 square feet operated by the Boys and Girls Club. This new club will allow the organization to expand outreach and increase the number of youth participating on site from about 100, from 35 children a day to about 135 kids a day. The rest of the space is approximately 5,800 5, square feet, is neighborhood space, including community kitchens, multi-purpose rooms and a living room for residents. The total cost for the project is approximately $40 million with 17 million coming from Mercy and related after a successful capital campaign. Another 13 million in funding is through New Markets tax credits and the final $11 million, which is before you today, was contributed by Mayor Breed in her budget for fiscal year 2022-2023. Um just to kind of give you an idea of the community space, this is a rendering of the living room where neighbor could, neighbors can gather, relax, have meetings, access free community Wi-Fi and attend programs such as poetry readings and movie nights. There are four multi-purpose meeting rooms available for a variety of sizes. These spaces will be available for activities such as Zumba, yoga, art classes and other community and social events. This is a rendering for the Boys and Girls Club, um, which has school age, youth, and teenagers um, specific classrooms to access programs for academics, health and life skills, recreational activities, workforce development, and performing and visual arts. Um, Thank you, supervisors. This concludes our presentation. We hope you're excited as we are to see this wonderful building start construction after four years of development and nearly 10 years of planning. As mentioned, construction should start next month if you, and be completed in mid-2024. Um, if you have any questions, Jason Liu and Elizabeth Kawada and I are here to answer any questions you may have. Thank Great. you. thank
0: you so much, and now we'll hear from the VLA.
4: <laughs> thank you. Item 12 is this is a resolution approving a grant agreement between the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development and Mercy Housing California. Um, as was described by the department, this is uh, to construct a 28,000 square foot community building and surrounding area. Um, the, the grant agreement's $11 million will so be funded by the general fund. And we showed the total project budget on page 33 of our report, uh, which is $40.4 million funded by a combination of this grant, uh, new market tax credits, and then a contribution from Mercy. Of 19.5 million dollars, um, we did um, look at the construction cost per square foot, which is 1,165 dollars. Um, we we were working with the department very last minute to kind of understand sort of the reasonableness of that cost, um, and they, you know, we weren't able to like get a kind of like a benchmark, but we they did tell us that they are comfortable with it, and that the other investors in the project did review it. Um, and feel that it's reasonable um for this project so we recommend approval
0: thank you supervisor chan thank you chair rona
8: i just wanted to uh, have a clear understanding about um just the relationship among all the um, city entities um so uh, clearly is a joint venture between the city and county of San Francisco with Mercy Housing to renovate these spaces specifically for housing units um, and managements of the uh, of Sunnydale. Um, for the uh, rec centers and including the child care center, are they still on so will will Rec and Park come in and start doing the managements and managements of the lease for Boys and Girls Club and wuyi
10: or how, how does that work?
5: Elizabeth Kawada with Mercy Housing.
10: Thank you. Hi, good afternoon. I can speak to that. So the rec
5: center is adjacent to the community center. That will be owned and operated by the Rex and Parks Department. But the community center is owned by a Mercy affiliate, and that will be operated by Mercy Housing. And And we'll have a lease with the Boys and Girls Club in Bowie.
8: Thank you. Thank you for for the
9: answer. Thank you. Mr. Clerk, please add me as a co-sponsor. just want to say that uh, it's pretty amazing to finally see so much of this um, come to fruition. Uh, I worked for the San Francisco Housing Authority, at the beginning of my career, did the Willie O. Brown Youth Center partnership with the Boys and Girls Club. We did our recording studio there. Um, whether she wants to admit it or not the mayor copied my idea and brought it to the African American Art and Cultural Complex after we did our recording studio so uh, and it was really fun to actually name something after Mayor Willie Brown at the time he was still in office I always like to tell him we'd name one of the first buildings in the city after him Uh, so he was a hundred percent dedicated and committed to revitalization and the reimagining of public housing. So I hope that when you do do your groundbreakings, regardless of what position or he actually physically played in this, that you would have him there because of his tremendous role in ensuring that the housing authority did not implode uh, back in the late '90s. So this is tremendous I think this is a tremendous asset and benefit to this community that feels extremely isolated and overlooked at times. So this is a real, real wonderful thing uh, that we're doing. I think the community space, the micro, uh, micro enterprise space, the, the gym, the Boys and Girls Club, all of these things are tremendous. And it's a true public-private partnership that was done with philanthropy, fundraising, government support, and a creative tax financing that the government created a number of years ago. So just uh, really want to appreciate all the hard work of staff and the community that went into this and uh, really look forward to being a part of the groundbreaking when that actually happens.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. We can now open this item up for public comment.
1: Thank you, Madam Chair, members of the public. who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person. Should line up now. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2497-408-9634. Then pound and pound again. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and as your queue to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers, uh Mr. Lamb, do you have any uh, Madam Chair, we have no speakers in the queue?
0: Public comment is now closed. Uh I unless someone else wants to do the honors, I will make a motion to send this item to the full board with positive recommendation.
1: On that motion to send this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Safai. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan.
0: Aye.
1: Ronan, I. We have three ayes.
0: That motion passes unanimously. And last but not least, item number 13.
1: Yes, item number 13. Here's a resolution retroactively authorizing the mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development to accept an in-kind gift of consulting services valued at 300000 from Coro, North Car- uh, Northern California for a term of September 1st, 2022 through August 30th, 2024 members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment on this resolution please call 415-655-0001 enter the meeting id of 2497 then press pound twice once connected press star three to enter the speaker line a prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand and when the system indicates you have been unmuted as your signal to begin your comment madam chair
7: thank you Oh, welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you very much. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, good afternoon again. Um, the item before you now, item 13 authorizes uh, the Mayor's Office of Housing, Community Development, development to accept an in-kind gift of consulting services valued at $300,000. Uh, it is technically directly from Coro, Northern California, but this is a multi-organizational partnership. Um, we are also working with um, the San Francisco Foundation, Urban Land Institute, and Partnership for the Bay's Future. Um, this is being provided for a Coro Fellow um, that will be working full-time for the coming two years on the implementation of affordable housing production and preservation policies with a specific focus on equity and inclusion with our department's dream keeper initiative efforts Um, and uh, for some background this is an in-kind gift Um, we did apply for this grant based off of the expertise and experience that partnership for the Bay Futures and the foundation and everybody involved in this organization and this grant project um, have really in advancing, equitable, inclusive policies, um, particularly for housing. Um, we're really, really excited because this builds upon a lot of the work that we've undertaken over the past number of years, um, starting with our Racial Equity Action Plan with the Office of Racial Equity, um, working very closely with the Human Rights Commission on Dreamkeeper, for example, our down payment assistance loan program. Um, we have been really excited to launch that. We have more applicants and more people closing loans than ever before. Um, and with that, you know, the grant was announced back in September 2022, um, and it is a cohort that all began together. It's really part of the professional development. That's why it is a retroactive, um, resolution and it has not aligned directly with the timing of the cohort just to make sure that we could bring it here to you and present it today um, so we're really excited about this opportunity we're excited to see what policy proposals come out of this um, and we're really excited that this is going to be a full-time position that can help somebody a fellow that's interested in this really make a big impact in our community and work with our communities um, they're really focusing on community-led projects they're going to be doing a lot of outreach engagement um, having very quality conversations um, with a lot of people who will be impacted by these policies. And so with that, I am here for any questions you may have. Thank you. Is this is this a
0: one-year position?
7: It is two years. Two years. Two okay. years, yes. Great. Supervisor
0: Chip?
8: Thank you, Chair Ronan. As a former um, Coral Fellowship graduate, I would like to add it myself as a co-sponsor to this. And thank you so much for having this grant. I really look forward to seeing the policy recommendation that come out from the
1: fellowship. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you mr. clerk can we please open this item up for
1: public comment yes madam chair members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now to speak along the curtains for those listening remotely please call 415-65-0001. enter the meeting ID of two four nine seven four zero eight nine six three four then pound and pound again once again I can press star three to enter the speaker line for those already in the queue please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and as your signal to begin your comments seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber mr lamb madam chair we have no speakers in the queue
0: public comment is now closed supervisor chan would you like to do the honors
8: thank you chair ronan i would like to make the motion to move this to the full board recommendation
1: on that motion by member chan to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation vice chair safai safai uh, member chan Chan, aye. Chair Ronan? Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes.
0: That motion passes unanimously. And before we adjourn, I wanted to welcome the San Francisco Fellows Class of 2022 to the board chambers. Thank you for all you do. I can't wait to talk to you more. Thanks for coming coming and checking this out. And Mr. Clerk, do we have any other items on the agenda?
1: Uh, Madam Chair, that concludes her business.
0: The meeting is adjourned.